Labyrinth. Come in. Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to witness is no illusion. And now we got the bass banging from head to Buckingham Palace. They're all moving. Hi there, and uh, welcome to This Is Brendan 58, my conversation with Spencer Love. Uh, Spencer's a great dude. He's a uh, an interviewer himself out of, I want to say Edmonton, but I know it's the West. And I had no idea who the fuck Spencer was before the pandemic started. And then he sent me an email wanting to interview me. And uh, I said, sure. And I loved the, the interview he did so much. And uh, you can check out all of his... Uh, other conversations uh, down below follow him on Instagram Twitter and he also has a new project coming up that you'll hear us talk about once again this was on Instagram live to the video is still up on my Instagram at Holden Pro and uh, yeah go check that out uh, enjoy this conversation because it's me literally getting to know someone very much like my last one with Eli and uh, yeah it's very uh, we talk about a lot of things, a lot of positivity talking this, and like, you just need to hear that. Uh, so yeah, enjoy. Hey Simon, we're fucking them up, turning them psycho. Everybody rock, let's bring the house down. To rubble and dust, cause we'll be fucking it up. Somebody say you But first, before you listen to that, I will, uh... I'm gonna go into a bit of a story here. So I already know the interview is gonna be long. The timestamp will be down below of uh, how long into the podcast you can get to Spencer. But uh, Wade Allen actually reached out to me. He asked, I always bring up when I wanted to quit wrestling and why, because it was burnout, but I never said what made me stick around. So I'll go into a little more in depth, because. This weekend, I'm recording this on the Saturday, it gets posted, so it's December 5th right now, I want to say. And, uh, yeah, what happened was, in 2016 December, I was defending my Young Blood Championship from Death Proof against Taylor Katie. And I've been, I had my green light from November the year prior, so I'm going on about... 14 months of uh, wrestling regularly and uh, yeah in that time span I didn't go to training as much but I started working my shitty job I have now which is 2 to 10 a.m. usually Monday to Friday and uh, I didn't have time for anything I was going to shows three to five times a weekend maybe wrestling on two of them and yeah a cute little dog just drove by in a pickup truck but it it was very striking on this and uh what happened was we had the match it was a fans bring the weapons match it was the first time i bled and we were dumb we were fucking young i was a year into wrestling like and of course like there's veterans that feel disrespected and like the funny thing is is now i'm in that role but yeah it's weird looking back four years ago but uh Though what happened was we had this match and someone that I respect so fucking much, probably the number one person I respect in all of pro wrestling and I look up to, uh, he posted on Twitter that two young guys had a uh, current sellout, which means all the wrestlers watched from the current, to watch the match and no one asked for advice afterwards. And I pride myself on asking people what they thought about my matches and I still do it to this day with... Uh, referees, ring announcers, commentators, wrestlers, and training. I, I just want to get as many opinions because 
different perspectives, the different eyes have different brains behind it with different life expe uh, experiences. Maybe they saw something I didn't, they have a different perspective. And uh, what happened though is we were dumb. Uh, I was supposed to throw a fireball at the end of the match. There's too much blood in the lighter. So I gave him Walls of Jericho, Boston Crab, and I slipped on my own blood and like wrenched Taylor's back so fucking much. And I felt super bad about it. And I checked on him and made sure it was okay. And I was already getting like, in October, Crossbody had their first show. And that was the first time I met Jimmy Vandalay, actually, who's one of my best fucking friends right now. And I was telling him, I think I'm burnt out. Wrestling was this fun little experiment, but I think I'm done. And then this happened, and I went to training on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, and I talked to my trainers, and I said, I think I'm burnt out, I think I'm done, this was fun, but thank you. And uh, I was told, instead of, this is why anytime someone's going through any mental health stuff or being burnt out or dealing with stress, I always try to talk to them and ask them, how are you doing, how are you feeling? Because I knew how it felt back then, four years ago, and I was told I wasn't training enough, where... That wasn't my issue. My issue was I wasn't sleepy enough. And once you're not sleeping, you're not taking care of yourself, you're not eating properly, you're not working out properly, you're not, you don't have a rhythm. You're just fueled by energy drinks and caffeine and trying not to crash your car while falling asleep while driving home from shows. And so it'll all weighing on me. And I was told to take a break and I canceled. This is a, only one of two times because I accidentally double booked myself last year that I canceled my bookings. One was for the normal Oshawa charity show, which was hosted by Smash Wrestling that year. And then I messaged Crossbody because me and Mark, uh, Mark Wheeler and I just tagged for the first time the month prior against the Dirty Vets. And I texted Ben, uh, I texted Seb. I was like, I can't do it, I'm sorry. Uh, I need to take a little bit of a break. And then my magic rather for Crossbody got posted a few weeks later. And I believe that show back with January 8th, and uh, I took a month off, saw the announcement, I'm like, okay, well, I'll talk to Ben, maybe you got a new phone, change number, whatever, just didn't get the message, okay. Uh, and I went to do it, and because I was all, I wasn't one foot out of wrestling, I was two feet. I, as far as I knew, this was gonna be my last match, and I had fun, I got to fuck around with my best friend, and uh, yeah, then I realized it's about the environment. Take yourself out of the environment, that just because you're in one, I was talking about this with Clay Wilson. Just because you're, they say, don't put a square peg in a round hole, that doesn't mean there isn't a square hole for that square peg. Just because this environment isn't right for you, there is an environment for everyone in the world. And I believe if you use some sort of creative effort, uh, something that's an art form, an expression, you'll find your environment, you'll find your people, so to say. And wrestling wasn't done with me. And... Uh, I, I also realized I wasn't a bad wrestler. Like, I'm not saying I'm fucking great. Right now, I just say I'm, I'm good to decent. But, uh, yeah, at that time, like, I looked around, and at that point, Ontario, there was a lot of not good wrestlers. Right now, we have plenty full of good wrestlers and a whole bunch of young guys that are working real fucking hard, and I believe that efforts over talent all day, because... Effort gets a job done when talent doesn't show up and shit like that, but it's true. And literally, it might sound a little cocky to say, but seeing people that weren't as good as me made me not quit because why should I quit? And now, a less cocky way of saying that is success. Uh, Clay Wilson actually uh, mentioned that success is just being happy. And I'm like, yeah, that's fucking perfect. 
And now I look at it as success is the way you pay back for everyone that helped you along the way. Because I don't believe anyone does it on their own. They might do it on their own without family support or friends, but they have to find someone that guides them, someone that teaches them, someone that signs them to a contract for a record deal. They, Everyone needs someone. So the whole did it on my own is bullshit. You didn't have support at a moment, but you didn't do it on your own. Someone had to crack that door open, leave that window open, whatever it was for you to find your way in. And uh, I feel like that it's very overrated that I did it on my own. No, you didn't. Someone lent you a hand and helped you up and pulled you up. So uh, thank you, Wade, for asking that question. Uh, if you want to submit any questions, please private message me. Doing all nighters, no days off, great hairs and a little girl weight loss. I predict, I predict, I predict, I predict. Disturbing London got the whole city panicking. I've been Australian since my nip nip nigga. And lastly, plugging upcoming things. You're listening to this sometime in December, hopefully. Coming up on Christmas Eve on some YouTube channel on set sometime, I'm not sure, but it'll be on YouTube for free for everyone. It's a Go Hard Pro Ontario Indie Holiday Special. Posted by Tony Adams. Go follow at GoHardPW on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, all the links for these will be down below. I'm at Holden Pro at Brendan C on these things. Holden Albright, Brendan Caulfield will find me. And my Patreon's starting January 1st. I'm looking at the different tiers. I'm also looking at old podcasts from when I did the GTA Wire in 2012. It includes like the first time I went to a strip club. Uh, I have all these random vlog footage of karaoke and being way too drunk, dressed in all white, and I'm 20, 19. So it's going to be a lot of archive stuff that I get to post up there. And for anyone that signs up for the second tier uh, in January, you'll get an exclusive Holden Albright merch that was going to be available uh, at the end of March. And unfortunately, wrestling got canceled. Pandemic happened. So everyone that signs up for that tier will get this free merch that... I, uh, I never released, and uh, if you like coffee, you're going to like this. It's not a coffee cup. But yes, so uh, thank you very much for tuning in to all this, keeping up to date. Send me a message, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Uh, if you add me on Facebook and I don't know who you are, I do click people's names to see what their posts are like or what they're listed as their jobs, and especially if they tag people in a Ray-Ban scam. So if I didn't accept your friend request, that's probably why, but private message me on things i i look at my request folders because they're not inundated with dick pics yet so uh i'll see you all later on uh just guys stay safe the holidays are coming up i know it's gonna be a rough time uh actually this tuesday i have sean gibson which you can actually listen to it on instagram live right now um but yeah it's a uh, it's all about the journey i'll say for that but uh stay safe stay sane stay healthy have a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, just have fun. And I'm here for you. If, if you feel like no one's here for you, no one's rooting you on, I am. I I feel like, I, and once again, I don't know who listens to this fully. I see numbers and like, that's cool, but I love when people like Wade or Rob or Danielson or Tommy or what James Weber like there's a few of you Dylan that you guys will listen to it so if you're on Twitter Instagram Facebook take a screenshot of your phone and tag Wade in it tag Spencer Love which is the interview coming up tag myself in it and I'll definitely reshare it but also it puts names to faces and I enjoy knowing exactly who I'm talking to because you guys are rooting me on you guys are my fucking supporters and I am so grateful to have you guys on my side because 
when I look at and think no one else is on my side, I put up a podcast that's over two hours long and I see the amount of people that download it. And thank you. Even if you don't listen to it, but you just download it. But I know you'll listen to it if you tag me in the photo of your screen. So thank you very much. I will talk to you all very soon. Uh, I literally love and appreciate all of you. Thank you. I predict an earthquake up in here. Say yeah. I predict an earthquake up in here. Cause we throw bombs on it, throw bombs on it. Just smash something. Yes, much for me. Hey, yes. That awkward moment of, uh, this will be in the podcast and when you watch back the video, if anyone ever does. If you notice, when someone joins, I get excited, and especially when I'm talking to my guests, which today, I don't know much about him. Hello, what's up, people? What's up, Morgan? Ronnie Gaff, I believe. Dragon Dad. Tail, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Do-do-do. And now I go... Boom. Hit that. Colin, what's up? Brandon, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, friend, I'm good. Same old, same old. I'm on the lunch break. I've got a icy cold Alexander Keats. Things are well, man. How are wow. you? Wow, an Alexander Keats. That was like the first beer I drank because my buddy was really into that IPA. I'm doing good, Dude, though. I, I never drank a ton of beer growing up, you know? I was, admittedly, when I was underage, I was a Jack Daniels guy. I'm a big Jimmy Page <laughs> fan. I was famously down the neck of the bottle before I'd pass out. That's about where I stand on it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I transitioned Canadian. over. Well, <laughs> exactly, <Canadian>. man. <laughs> it's always nice to talk to a fellow Canadian, too, man. Uh, so I actually did a podcast interview with someone from, like, Florida, and yeah. uh, I just apologized for something. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, oh, it, oh, that's so Canadian. And they did like a very stereotypical sorry. And like, I was like, whoa, I, I don't think I have an accent, but I'm just polite. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to apologize for apologizing to me. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah. So allow me to let you introduce yourself. Cool. I can do that, man. Hello, friends over on the East Coast of Canada. Spencer Love here. I've done a lot of different things in professional wrestling other than actually professional wrestling myself as a 165-pound kid soccer. Hey, wet. hey, you took a brain buster. <laughs> I saw the club. I did take one brain buster. And let me tell and you, man, I, brain, I brain buster. Say, that wasn't even like a real brain buster. I think that like that was like a fucking neck breaker of a, of a brain man. buster. Well, and you know what? You can sit Bravo. and tell me. Bravo. Thank you Bravo. very much. Uh, it was I'm really always... impressive. It was really impressive. <laughs> well, and you know, full credit on that one, man, because like I said, I've never been in the ring before. That was quite literally at the end of my first ever like training session, running the ropes and doing roll drills and all of that. And quite literally, MRB was like, well, come here. Because my joke with him has always been, hey, man, if I'm lying to you, like just hit the brain buster. So he just <laughs> grabs me hooks me and you literally like see me just sort of sink when he's like brain busters like well yeah fuck but like full <laughs> credit to him man like you quite literally will not find a just more well-versed pro wrestler in alberta and there are some great individuals out here man that's nothing against anyone here that is everything for michael richard blaze like the fact that that guy grabbed a kid who had quite literally never done it before yeah. you can even hear him when he's grabbing me. he's like kate keep your chin tucked like runs you through it perfectly man i yeah. cannot speak highly enough of him but as we get back to me um <laughs> like i said i've done a lot in professional wrestling i've commentated uh the biggest thing that i've ever really done is uh for a couple of years i ran the wcsn based here out of edmonton alberta it's how you and i actually ended up yeah. meeting 
Um, my big thing was really, really giving some passionate coverage to the Canadian indie scene. And admittedly, for the most part, it was the West Coast scene for the early days. I didn't get to travel as much as I'd want to. So BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and then this whole pandemic thing hit, I figure shit same sort of way you figure and everyone else creating content figures let's call people because they got yeah. no reason to deny me <laughs> literally though that is the thing of just like be there answer the call have a conversation and like these conversations have definitely kept me sane during the pandemic and if especially oh, yeah. video chatting like there is something about seeing someone else while you talk to them Man, I'm only even starting to get into it. Like when you and I did our interview, it was audio only. And for me, yeah. dude, like in the best possible way. But like I am such a, a harsh critic of myself that I first started doing video interviews. I found that I had a lot to work on. I know I can talk to people and it's, you know, like it's that much easier to just yeah. talk to someone when you're first meeting them when you don't have the video component to it. So like, yeah. man, even for me, getting into the video side of things really putting like a beautiful mulleted face to everything that you possibly can with this you network. definitely have more weird. hair you definitely have more hair than i was expecting <laughs> <laughs> well i'll take it and you know i'm gonna have hopefully some more by the end of the month i'm doing november but this is three days right here <laughs> adorable adorable Thank, that's the perfect way to put it i mean fuck you but adorable <laughs> yes you're trying you're trying I'm trying my best. I'm having fun. I figure if you're doing that, nobody can complain at the end of the day when I've got a shitty mustache. <laughs> I, I think besides the shitty mustache part, I think that's going to be the quote that I put in the podcast description. As long as you try your best and you're having fun. And that's literally the great thing to do. Uh, Dude, I completely agree, you know, and, and you and I have talked about this off the side too, but like, even in the professional wrestling sense, obviously, there's two very different, I think, mentalities in pro wrestling, right? You've got the old school where you really have to sort of pay your dues, take your licks, really build yourself up before anybody sort of deems you worthy, for lack yeah. of a better way to put it, of being a pro wrestler, where I really feel like sort of our generation and sort of the mentality that we came up with was, well okay, not everybody's going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Not everybody's no. going to be the top guy. But there's a place for everybody in professional yes. wrestling. Whether, like, shit, dude, if I could find it, anybody can find it. Because I've, like, and I say this in the nicest way possible to myself. I'm not an athlete. I never grew up in professional wrestling the way that a lot of people have. I really started to get in in about 2010, 2011, okay. uh, after going out to my first indie show. So it's not like I'm this third-generation, long-time <laughs> fan like, there's a place for everybody in it, yes. you know? You look at some of the professional wrestlers, I'm sure, in Ontario, but definitely on the West Coast, you know, not to name any names, but there are some people out there who, when you potentially look at just the athleticism of it, okay, maybe they're not a fit for, yeah. for in-ring. They're not going to be, you know, <laughs> jumping off the top rope, hitting 450s anytime soon, but there are some people out here who don't do that that are still some of the most over people in Albertan wrestling and BC wrestling and Saskatchewan wrestling. Then you look at the people who don't wrestle. We've got some of the best commentators out here, referees you can find. Like you look at Brad Myers out in Ontario, you think yeah. that there's not talented people everywhere. Holy shit, man. That's the biggest thing I love about this industry is like, fuck, you'll, you'll find everyone. You'll yes. really find everyone in it, right? Like that's what I appreciate for the fact that uh, like before there was a whole, you have to earn some sort of like, respect or getting in of being taken advantage of or something to get someone to like you or anything where it's i'm i'm not religious so i don't believe in the whole like the 10 commandments saying that i should do so you're also but, you're also part of the flying spaghetti monster aren't you 
uh, I, I'm real close. I saw a documentary over the summer on Satanism, and I'm real close to like going Satanist with it. But Why uh, not? it's literally just like I treat people nicely. I'm a nice person. I'm happy, and it's respect is this weird thing that people say it, but there's not like a description of what respect is. Well, yeah, and for me, and I say this all as an outsider, you know, I don't ever want to claim that I'm the be-all, end-all, fuck, I'm not even the start-all. <laughs> but, like, when it comes to respect in professional wrestling, absolutely, I think that there is a need for respect. But like you say, Holden, I think that there's there's a bit of a difference in the way an older generation and our generation sort of sees it. For me, somebody respecting professional wrestling is showing up on time, showing up in proper gear, running the drills, treating your coaches yeah. with respect where it's due but for me yeah. you know somebody lining me up and i don't know if this happens it's just a turn of phrase but lining someone up and saying okay i'll hop in here and chop the shit out of this guy until we see if he wants to quit or not that yeah. isn't wrestling to me no. that really isn't wrestling to me because then like there are so many talented people again i'm sure you can relate to it that have ended up out of the business or or who have fallen out of love with professional wrestling which at the end of the day somebody's coming in because they're a for the most part, if you're training in wrestling, you've been a paying customer, you've come out to indie shows. Not only have you burned a wrestler, you've burned a fan. You're shitty yeah. at business if you're doing that twofold, right? So I, I don't understand really that mentality of, of needing to beat the shit out of someone. You know, for me, that's the biggest reason I've never gone out to wrestling training is in Alberta for the most part. You sort of do two-day camps a couple of times a yeah. month. We're starting to really get there with a lot of great training schools out here, uh, again, since the SWA closed down. But for me, if I can't be there for two days of training, why the hell do I think I am above the business and can show up for a day? You know what I mean? That's where I sort of see, you know, the need for some respect because there's so many fly-by-night people who have come out, they go to one training session, they go work one show and, well, I did it. I'm a professional wrestler. And that for me is where it's a, a, a you know, maybe you can give me a bit of insight, like a bit of a slap in the face to you guys, you know? Like, legitimately, everything you said, I've said to people this weekend. Like, one of my friends did train somewhere, and uh, they stopped training there, and then they're like, I'm taking a break, but I'm going to switch. I'm like, cool, I can't wait till you get out of that environment. I'll drop into classes with you. Let's fucking rock and roll. Yeah. And then we were literally hanging out, and I mentioned to them, I was like, oh, so what are you going to do on my holiday show next year? Because they said they love Christmas. And yeah. they, looked, they looked at me and they said, I don't know if I'm going to do wrestling going forward. And literally mm. my heart broke. And then we went, uh, we went and grabbed dinner and I'm just talking to them. And I'm like, legitimately, I hate that for the fact that there's so many people in wrestling that just because someone was an asshole to them or literally chopped the shit out of them, they quit wrestling and they have a bad taste in their mouth. Where, like yeah. you said, anyone going to a wrestling school, you're going there because you know that it's going to be a long journey. You're going to have to work hard. You're not a Division One athlete that was signed and you're in the developmental where you can kind of see the pathway where it's... Yeah. When you're just starting training, you don't even know when your training's done. It's not like there's a one-year curriculum. Someone, it could take them eight months. It took me like a year and a half and three different wrestling schools just because schools were closing at the time. Yeah. But... But I look at it and the way that you said someone does one show and they think they're a pro wrestler. I'm in this weird old school, new school mentality of if I'm in the ring with someone like at training and I'm definitely more of a snug guy. I'm not stiff, but I'm yeah. snug. 
And I tell people all the time, don't be a bitch. You're, if you're in a wrestling ring as your character, training, uh, Irishman 316, training's never done. I still go to training now. Bingo. And, and I go to multiple different schools for the fact of learning from different people, but also I get to work with younger guys, which makes me better. And then I get to have a match with them and it boosts their confidence. I don't yeah. care about the number one student at a school. If he's fucking, uh, if that dude is the number one student, the, he basically has a silver spoon, I'll wrestle him eventually, whatever. But I want to wrestle, like, the fourth guy in the school, the fifth guy, the guy that's out of shape, the guy that just is real small. Because I know if I wrestle them, we're going to have a good match because it's not hard to put together a good match. And yeah. it's literally, they'll get so much confidence out of it. As opposed to the person that, yeah, I don't believe that if you just have one match, you're a pro wrestler. You need to have the mentality of showing up early to set up the ring, asking what needs help where, not complaining about your spot on the show, and just know you're a part of the whole show. Yeah. And so I'll mention sometimes that people are playing wrestler and not just being a wrestler. And yeah. then at the same time, I do believe everyone has a space, but... I don't see because you have the hustle and grind to at least do something in the field. And it's you took broadcasting experience, twisted it around. And there's a lot of people every time I see someone post, oh, I want to learn to become a referee or a manager. I literally look at it and I go, that's your way of saying you don't think you can be a wrestler. And guess what? Mm. Every manager probably happened to have an injury that they couldn't wrestle but they know how to call a match. Every referee knows how to wrestle and put together a match. There's times where like Brad Myers and uh, Jimmy Vandalay are like my two favorite. They're two of my favorite people and two of the best referees in Ontario. And I know that if someone, if younger guys are out there in the ring with them, they're going to help them. But some guys don't know how to use the referee properly. And sometimes yeah. they have more experience than anyone in that ring. <laughs> Man, in Brad's case specifically, as a quick aside, definitely one of my favorite interviews I've ever had the opportunity to do. Like you say, man, like just a good dude. But even going back, and it was something that really started to trigger when I spoke to him. Um, you watch the matches that he referees, and and you can very clearly in there again. Uh, referee Ben Omens, the one guy that I'll bring up here in Alberta. Like they're the sort of guys everybody always started to tell me. When you get into wrestling, you're going to watch wrestling differently, and I feel like that's sort of been the same thing when. You know, you speak to a guy like him, you speak to Brad, because you watch a match and you watch what a referee's doing. And obviously, like, you don't hear what they're calling. You don't hear communication, anything like that. But, like, it's kind of weird and kind of cool for me to be looking at these guys and be like, fuck, Brad's a ring general. <laughs> but you're bang on, man. I think that, you know, and it, and it speaks to my point as well, as these guys playing wrestler, you know, there are a few out here in Alberta that I could definitely speak to as well where – you know, it's not tooting my own horn, but fuck, like, realistically, should the color commentary guy or should the, you know, guy coming in to write recaps, yes, he should be helping with the ring, but he shouldn't be helping you set it up and tear it down before no. some of the guys on the card are, you know? Yeah. Or and the I guy's think that not that's booked just, on the show. Oh, yeah. If a guy's not booked on a show and they're there unloading a ring and you're not and you are on that show, I just, I don't understand it from an optics perspective because those are the same people who will be the first to turn around and say, well, shit, you don't respect the business, brother. And, well, grow up. You know, I understand. And I also understand that there is the place for, you know, you've earned the right not to. If you've been owning the promotion or with the promotion, whatever. You know, that's a whole different side there. But 
it, it's, it's always been odd to me, sort of the schism in mentalities and the fact that, you know, at least in my experience, there's very little transfer, I guess, between both. You know what I mean? There, there's just a lot of vagueness in wrestling. Like uh, I was talking to Ben Ortman's from Crossbody a couple weeks ago. We were just lifting weights, and uh, he mentioned, or no, we were at training, and he, he just mentioned the whole. Oh, he talked about promos and how people don't know how to properly do promos where you put over your opponent, and it doesn't just mean, oh, you're a good wrestler, uh, but I'm gonna beat you. It's literally you have to give them their credit. Like I don't like telling people that I'm gonna win the match. I just say I'm gonna commit violence because even if I win or lose, there will be violence because I know the way I wrestle. You didn't lie. <laughs> yeah. So. But then it's the whole when people are like, oh, when wrestling used to be real. And it's, no, it's not, the believability isn't punching someone in the mouth so they actually like hard way or like you're just an asshole. Making it real means when you step in that ring, you have the intensity of you're taking this seriously and it feels like a fight. Because anytime Absolutely. someone, anytime I see someone go into a match and like, they're not the chicken shit heel, but they're the wrestler who doesn't want to wrestle. I literally mm -hmm. go, you, in whatever story realm, if this is boxing or MMA, you signed a contract for this fight. If you get in the ring and the bell rings, unless you play it properly, why would you be avoiding the fight? You knew this was happening, especially if there's a match graphic and you cut a promo for it. Why yeah. would you be avoiding it and looking like you don't belong in there? I'll see you there Saturday night, and then I'm just going to run right the fuck out of the ring. See, that's yeah. for me too, man. And that hits the nail on the head as far as where I sort of stand on wrestling. It's like, yeah, believability is important for me. I need to believe that whatever the person speaking is saying is true. But you want to sit and tell me that, that you need realism or everything needs to be reality-based in a world where, okay, in a world where we have an undead mortician celebrating his 30th fucking anniversary in the business. Yep. Five years after the guy debuts, his burnt-to-death brother shows up and kicks his ass. Not anywhere in the middle of the first ever Hell in a Cell match. And you want to tell me that this needs realism? No, the best professional wrestling in the world of any sense, whether it's looking at sort of reality-based, whether it's looking at the supernatural, whatever... I don't think anybody out there, other than at least for me, some pretty poorly informed people are going to sit and tell me that the fiend is an unbelievable entity. Now, in the truest sense of the word right now, yeah, he's unbelievable. It is hard to believe that something like that exists. In the yeah. world of professional wrestling, his character motivations are on point. I don't think outside of the couple times where, you know, Rollins and Braun Strowman appeared in the Firefly Funhouse, I don't think that there's been any sort of logical gaps or anything yeah. along those lines as far as how the character's been presented. And for the last year and a half, outside of a couple shitty instances in October, the guy's been the most over thing in professional wrestling for the last two years, right? I don't think there's anybody who can efficiently argue for me that you need a reality you need things to seem real, but you do need a reality-based presentation. You know what I mean? Well, it's the whole you need a variety, and that's why professional wrestling is so fucking fun. It's if right. you have a if you have a roster of shooters or that type of wrestler or strong style wrestling, you're gonna get bored of it. You need some cruiserweights. You need a five-minute match. You need a thirty-minute match. You need a wide range of stuff and. Unfortunately, when certain older veterans go, well, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, this needs to happen. I always say all these fans that 
want to say wrestling was better whenever i'm an attitude era guy and onwards i can respect yeah. what was done before me but i would rather listen to podcasts where they review it or they go over it i'm like okay that's my knowledge base if they say you should watch this i'll watch this random starcade from 84 but oh, besides besides that i don't need to uh i need to do it but at the same time if I don't like what's going on right now, that doesn't mean what I do love is going away, especially with the network. Oh, 80s God, wrestling's man. there. You can watch anything between just streaming services and free on YouTube and Daily Motion. It's literally, you can't say, oh, because Orange Cassidy is one of the most over talents right now, wrestling's ruined. No, it's not the 60s where the territories had to tape over their tapes and it was lost to history, you can still go back to the 80s. If you love Hogan and hate Orange Cassidy because Jim Cornette told you, just don't watch it. It's not that hard. <laughs> Perfectly put, man. And I've never understood. You and I shot the shit about this for like an hour after we did our interviews. Like, I, I'll never understand. Because, like, naturally, I'm, I'm a fairly cynical dude. I see the humor in it, but I'm a fairly cynical person. But I'm never... I've never understood this need for negativity. You know what I mean? I feel like everything in professional wrestling right now um, exists so that people can oppose it. You know what I mean? You look at all elite wrestling, and I'm not the biggest fan of the tag team division, but I bet if you were to go through my Twitter account and read through up until like a year ago when the thing started, okay, I'm sure I've said maybe that match wasn't for me, but you see these people every Thursday. It's like religion to a man is brian alvarez will send out the rating and then the next seven tweets are the same people suck it nxt suck it aew all oh, this match is the reason it went like why, why enjoy what you want why to enjoy exactly fuck man because yeah, i don't like the aew tag team division but i'll tell you that hangman adam page is one of my favorite things in pro wrestling so i'll sit i'll, I'll sit and talk about that on twitter i don't need to be this this huge negative and everybody does it don't get me wrong but it's this huge just negative cesspool in a world that for me there's 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 so much positivity you know yeah. there's so much that you can look at that's great at any given point in professional wrestling right so this need to focus on on what you don't like or what your thoughts are on this segment everybody loved you know for me the perfect example and and i get where you know, the controversy comes from. But that segment that they did a couple of weeks ago, Jericho and MJF. I loved it. So, yeah, it was fantastic. And you the get The fucking commitment. These... It's literally that believability, oh, yeah. the commitment in there. They're not, they're not Broadway yeah, musical. They're, they're still heels in it. And hey, that little MJF right, can you... sing. MJF can sing. I'll give that guy full props. That was gorgeous. But then, the, but like, they the believed first... in it. That's what exactly. made you disconnect. And then you get like the first 10, 15 comments under the post. Oh, that sucks. Wrestling's dead. Like, K John Q 7138426. You took the time out of your life to A, I'm, I'm sure create this Twitter account. B, find this specific clip. And C, tell everyone you hated it. Dude, go like fucking see your family. <laughs> like play with your dog. Go change the channel. You can watch, like you say, fuck, you want to go and watch. The fucking Legion of Doom back in the late 80s or like whatever it may. You can watch whatever. It's all out there. There are about six matches in history that you can't find. And what culture will put a list out on them every three months. So, fuck, you're well up to date on what you can't find in pro wrestling. Well, I the, don't know. The Tom McGee-Bret Hart match was like the holy ground match because Tom McGee is not good. And Bret Hart gave him this amazing match that made Vince believe he was the next Hogan. 
And then they found it. They did a little, like, documentary for it. And then you watch the match, and you're like, like, it's a good match, but, like, have you never watched Velocity? <laughs> I saw this at my local indie a couple of weeks yeah. ago. I've also, I've, I've, I've sort of decided somewhat. I want to start a podcast series of, like, people who are, like, one degree of separation from Bret Hart. Because I've sort of accepted the fact that, like, I probably won't get Bret for quite a while. So I've got to start, like, building there. So I want to start to do interviews with, like, I'd love to talk to Tom McGee. I want to talk to El Dandy. I'd love to talk to El Dandy. <laughs> because, man, like, you know, as every Canadian is, Brett's the greatest of all time. I really don't know how people can argue that. I really don't know how people can argue Shawn Michaels over Bret Hart. That's just an asinine argument to me, and I'll never understand it, to be quite honest with you. What's, but- what's, what's funny about that, though, is, like, when the Bret Hart-Shawn Michaels, like, arguments happen, because I'm such a, like, I'm a Stone Cold dude. I have a Stone Cold-related tattoo on my leg. Like, so yeah. when people are like, who's better, Bret or Shawn? I was like, well, Stone Cold was the highest drawing pro wrestling act in North America ever, and uh, that's kind of my guy. But then someone posted, uh, I know him as a Warbore, but on uh, Twitter, he's like a former Chikara guy, and he posted the reasons why Brett was better than Sean, and it's basically because he wasn't selfish or an asshole. I and think I that, saw like you retweet that or yeah, something like I, that. Cause I, I one put of them my is story like, too. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because one of them is like, Sean only had good matches with his friends, and I'm like, yeah, yeah and Brett. <laughs> yeah. So then, like, literally, I, I want to actually read Omen's comment before uh, it goes squirrels past, but he did put, you need to believe what you're watching to get the fans emotionally invested, which is solid for the MJF Jericho thing. Oh, dude, and if you, again, to sidetrack here, so if you have the opportunity to watch uh, The Omen, Gabriel Lestat, he is one of my favorite professional wrestlers out here in Alberta, and and actually, like, a perfect example of sort of that conversation there as well, because um, he's sort of, uh, he's got a vampire gimmick to him, and again, is sort of one of those things that, you know, as with any anything like that, it has the potential to go drastically wrong if you're someone who's not 100% bought into yeah. it and you aren't committed to it. And for, shit, at least the eight, nine years that he's been under the omen, he just gives a shit. You know, you and I talk yeah. about it often. It's just the, the, the give a shit factor that somebody's got to have. And especially with care. something like that. Exactly. So the amount that he puts into it, even his entrance is something to really, really... You know, it's it's a cool entrance at any level. Nonetheless, when you're looking at stuff at an independent level, and he's got his own Titan Tron done up, he comes out with a full uh, thematic entrance. It's so so cool to see, and a great pro wrestler. If you've got the opportunity, he's wrestled pretty consistently for the Prairie Wrestling Alliance out here. Fantastic, fantastic pro wrestler, and a hell of a guy. So I don't know if it's the same outside of Ontario. I don't think it completely is just because we're a little more compact and our access to the States is literally Chicago's 10 hours away from Toronto, Ohio's four hours. And like, these are all hotbed for like super Indies. And so we're told you have to get in a car and get to the States, but no one ever fully explains it. And I've like, I've became like a numbers guy, weirdly enough. I'm like, oh, the reason why you should wrestle in the States versus Canada is there's 35 million people here, 350 million there. That's why no matter what you do in the States compared to here, literally 10 times the amount of people will see it. Yeah. And so like, when I think about this, like the pandemic happens and my passport expired in like June or May. And I literally looked at them like, I'm looking at the U.S. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be going there anytime uh-huh. soon. 
Hey, so, happy election day. That fuck, we're not going there even longer after this shit. But then, so, but I literally don't care because then I realize, oh, I just wanted to go to the states because I was told to do that. And last mm. year, I made the conscious effort to focus in Ontario. And besides one show in Nova Scotia, I wrestled 114 matches in Ontario. And yeah. it was like, okay, I found myself. Now I'm gonna branch out and. In February, I did a couple seminars, and it set up a bunch of bookings for the States. The pandemic happened, and I'm one of the few people, like, I knew the work that got me to here. If it's on pause, it's okay, because it's not stopping. It's just on pause right now. The world Absolutely. is all fucked. It's not like it's just this one little <laughs> section. It's the whole world. Dude, and that's like, I was telling this to somebody yesterday or the day before, and like, you know, in the weirdest way, that's the smallest comfort to me. You know, this sort of group feeling of like, we're not in this alone. Everybody's in the shit. And don't get me wrong. I would far prefer that everybody's not in the shit. But yeah, it, it, it's of the smallest comfort to me because at the very least, so I work in sports marketing for a hockey team out here in, uh, in Sherwood Park. And anybody you talk to, it's, it's not that people are, you know, perfect example is that we're only allowed a certain amount of fans in the building right now. Well, even on season ticket holders, we've got more of those than are allowed in the building right now. But everybody is, is, you know, if it was only for us, I feel like we would see a lot more people frustrated that, oh, we can't yeah. get in or, oh, these masks are silly or whatever the argument du jour may be. But everybody involved, whether it's the staff in the organization, season ticket holders, all of them, it's, it's a very, very understanding of, we know you're screwed, we're screwed too, but we're all in this together, you know? And I think that, again, in the worst way, but hopefully at the very least of all of this, like, you know, it, the results have gone this way when I want it to go this way. But hopefully at the end of this, like everybody just can kind of get to the point where it's like, well, we're all in this together. There's no sense in me standing here and fucking yelling at 40 random people on the Internet in any no. given second of the day. Like, you know, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get like, the fact that this is this shouldn't, you know, have your opinions on it, but the fact that people are divided because of something like this, like, dude, we're all in the shit. Yeah. Everybody just, it's, it's Will Ferrell and Semi-Pro, man. Hey, I've got a ring right here. Everybody love everybody. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look at it and like, yeah, we're all going crazy. And it's, it's hard to be positive all the time, kind of, but yeah. literally it's, just not about letting that negativity out especially online where everyone can see it if you have uh, oops sorry about that uh, <laughs> oh there you go no worries <laughs> uh what's it called go, yeah yeah uh what i see is like if you have these thoughts and we all have those friends and family on facebook that go on random rants and they're either oh my parents hate me or my baby daddy just got out of prison for the third time, but I'm not letting him back in the house again, not this time. And then the next day, the relationship status has changed on Facebook to back in the relationship what? with them. And it's like, <laughs> hey, maybe don't post that. If you need to get that out and put that into the universe. And I've told a couple of like younger guys in wrestling who were like 16 and training, and their Facebook looked like a 16-year-old. I was like, bro, go to the Dollarama, get a journal, Write it down. You can write it down. Just don't let out. everyone see. Because everyone's going to be judging you. And especially wrestling being this, like, too much bullshit and, like, cloak and dagger. It's They're going to judge you, but they're not. I'm one of the few people that anything I say behind someone's back, it's I said it to their face. Yeah. And, and I'm just that where it's, I don't have time for bullshit. 
And literally, I'm like, let's just be straightforward with this. And I'll be there to hug you and a shoulder to cry on if you need it. But I'll also yeah. slap yeah. you in the face and tell you, you know, this is your fault. I had a buddy that cheated on his girlfriend and then literally cried that she broke up with him because she was having feelings for one of his uh, for one of her classmates. And I literally had to tell him while we're drunk at an anime convention, bro, you cheated on her. She literally asked for a break because she was developing feelings for someone. You're not allowed to be angry. You can be sad, but like you have to also realize the situation. What your place in it was, man. Like, and that's, it's a perfect comparison. Cause like for me, one of the pieces of advice that like oddly enough, you try to apply to social media is like, don't make promises drunk because what I always took, I always took it myself and I've ended up in some stupid shit because of it, but you make a promise drunk and then you live up to it sober. You ain't going to make many drunk promises anymore. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. I'll help you move. When do you need me there tomorrow? And like, you're driving there from the bar after like, fuck, this is going to be brutal. And like, I, uh, same thing I'm, in pro wrestling. I'm literally reading JR's first book. I read the second book first and mm -hmm. it's, it's really good. And so I'm reading the first one. And he's talking about when he was in college and, a whole bunch of rowdy people and he's like oh yeah sober jr wouldn't take these uh take this uh take these hallucinogens drunk jr would and but sober jr made drunk jr make the agreement to not let him do it but drunk jr doesn't live up to those agreements and then he describes for half a chapter uh his experience on masculine I have never read either of JR's books. And admittedly, I'm pretty behind in my wrestling biography related reading. A lot of R's in there. I'm actually Did reading you read Jericho's book right now. Okay. I've How read a it? few of him. I quite enjoy it because, you know, I he fascinates me, dude. Brock Lesnar. And if Brock Lesnar hadn't gone to, uh, if Brock Lesnar hadn't gone to the NFL and UFC, Brock Lesnar, like by my money, is the single most talented professional wrestler to ever, ever exist. Ever. I think that he's, guy had he's more a perfect talent. genetic freak. Oh, he is. And he could do everything. Like I was actually, so here's a fun side one for you. So I was listening this morning to uh, NHL network radio on Sirius and they were having this what if conversation. So the what if that I'll pose to you right now, Holden, what if Brock Lesnar had nailed that moonsault on Kurt Angle? How do you shooting think he would have changed shooting, shooting star, star press. press? Excuse me, but how do you think like his entire career would have changed? Because you could you imagine like Brock Lesnar doing what he's doing now, but still fucking going off the top whenever he felt like it? Like, tell me that that's not the most talented gen. Like you say, he's a genetic freak. The guy's I nuts. Think, I think if he made the shooting star press, he wouldn't have left for the NFL because he got really fucked up by that. Yep. If he wasn't such a, like, literally a Neanderthal or a Viking, he would have broke his neck. And it's literally, like, if he nailed that, he would have had a little more momentum. And then he could also rest on three or four times a year. He busts out that shooting star press. Like, he wouldn't yeah. be doing it now because he's older and he's smarter. But I definitely think he would have left the WWE for the UFC at some point. Because even yeah. Kurt Angle flirted with that and, like, any wrestler that had amateur Jake Hager is still doing it. And Great. so like, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I definitely see him as he would have gone to the UFC, been successful. And like, maybe it's CM Punk's pipe bomb promo happens. Brock Lesnar is a former WWE guy, but still a wrestler 
that's killing in the UFC, and then the worlds collide in 2014. Because he, I oh, still yeah. think he would have got uh, diverticulitis. I think that, like, the health issues would have still happened, which would have yeah, taken him out of uh, real fighting. But then that would have been why he came back. And you have this indie boom with CM Punk's pipe bomb promo. And then you have Brock Lesnar coming in to be like, yo, I'm still like a beast and I'm legit. Of the true, yeah, like yeah. the truest of the you, true WWE And you have guy. those fans. You can have, like, the guys that are like, Oh, but Brock's the real deal. And they booked Brock properly. Like, anyone that said Brock's the real deal, he the best matches he has had have been with smaller guys at Survivor Series and Royal Rumble. Big time. And if Big you time. had basically all these indie fans that are like, yeah, CM Punk, and then you have all these fighting fans that are like, yeah, Brock Lesnar, imagine if that was like the main event of like a WrestleMania 34 or 33 or something. And then it would have yeah. just been, I think, that would have been a good mixture, but unfortunately, because Brock left early, and it, he definitely has helped ratings. Like, there's no one... If anyone says Brock doesn't earn his money, oh, just because he's not there every day. He paid his dues. He was a top athlete in college. He was a top athlete everywhere he went. He walked on the Minnesota yep. Vikings uh, training squad. He went to New Japan. Wearing number 69, by the way, which is still <laughs> excellent for me. <laughs> So, but let yeah, me man. talk. To, let me ask you because you brought up how uh, you're with a hockey organization. So, what's your actual former training, formal training? Because you do have proper broadcasting experience, right? Yep. So, I've got broadcasting experience, and I've also got my marketing degree from the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. If anybody's looking for a school to get their marketing degree, I'll go to bat for them. I won't donate money to any college. They cut off my Wi-Fi and then send me an email looking for a donation the next day. So just out of spite, out of spite, that ain't happening. But I will, I'll recommend it for anything. I really enjoyed my schooling there. Um, and then broadcasting just sort of took some courses in that while I was in need as well. I'm actually going back this month to take a uh, sound editing course. Ooh. But from there, like, I, like, I'm a sports guy, you know. But like I said, I was never an athlete. I was never going to be the sportsman, the uh, star defenseman, the whatever it may be. So trying to find a way to stay active in it. I worked in kitchens for years as one usually does when they get out of college and can't find a job and what they want to do. Um, until luckily enough, just through consistent communication with Nate, they'll send out uh, sort of once a month, every couple of months, uh, temp opportunities or part-time jobs or anything along those lines in your career field. So quite literally, I got the email with the opportunity open for the Sherwood Park Crusaders. That's who I'm still working for. I emailed them basically as soon as I saw it, just as like, hey, here's my resume. It was the first guy Damn and it. sat down and talked to Sorry. Me. I just like to talk. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. Um, I just like to talk, and I'm, I'm pretty passionate. <laughs> if I'm going to get involved in something, I've got to have a passion for it, right? So getting in with hockey, getting into a career path at, you know, a pretty optimum level. You know, if I wanted to start with, say, the Edmonton Oilers or the Toronto Maple Leafs or something like that, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, I'd be the gopher, and rightfully so. You know, you you again, like you do in wrestling, you pay your dues. So starting off at the bottom in marketing would have been great for me. And don't get me wrong, but um, with the crew, I really have had my own sort of my own program for about the last five years, and I've really had the opportunity to impact everything possible, whether it be uh, the social media or game day events, whether it be ticket sales, whether it be like l literally the little stuff that doesn't sound like fun, but developing our target market who are we going to be aiming for for the next little bit like man stuff like that just cranks my chain i love it i <laughs> love sort of figuring out 
you know, what makes people tick and especially what makes people, um, I guess, want to do things, you know? Yeah, it sounds pretty silly to say everybody wants to go to a hockey game because they like fun and everybody wants to go to a hockey game because they love the sport. But like really but diving into stuff said, like that is fascinating. You said everyone wants to go to a hockey game because they love the sport. But it's when you even said you're not athletic, but where you could find your place. When people watch hockey, they can literally just get drunk and yell at their team for not being successful. Or there's exactly. people that watch it and statistically they're enjoying it and they're lo- and they're keeping track for themselves of like, oh, how's this goaltender doing? How's this forward going? Oh, that penalty. Oh, shit. That's going to lead to this. Like, there's yeah, so many man. layers. Like, for wrestling, when you said once you kind of know wrestling, you see it a different way. And, yeah, when you see some people have the same pattern of events or something, it's like, oh, it feels like they're not caring or trying. But then, literally, mm-hmm. I recommend Samoa Joe versus Kenta Kobashi at oh, ROH five? in 2005. My favorite yep. match. My literally, match I watch that, like, I watch oh, that like three times a year, and you just feel the energy, and it's literally, that's what wrestling is. It's just and that to this energy. Day, and to this day, I have never watched that match with commentary. And I say this as like no. a guy who has been Lucky, like lucky enough to do commentary and commentate some pretty cool matches myself, man. But like, like you say, you know, number one, I think that at an independent level, and and at that time, ROH, I think, could still be, you know, pretty accurately classified as an independent promotion. At that level, you don't often get that level of passion from fans. Don't get me wrong, man. And maybe I am only speaking for Alberta here, but it's pretty rare you get a crowd of three, four hundred, standing room only. Yeah. Everybody's pumped up. To get that opportunity to not only watch that, but watch it as an indie fan would is so cool for me. You know, it's such a difference when you've got the commentary over versus not. Because for me, you know, the same way we talked about referees earlier, a great commentator can really make or break a match. You know, I think he's a really good commentator, but you've heard people complain about Michael Cole in the past. And I'll definitely agree that there have been some bad calls, but there have also been like, Seth Rollins winning the title at Mania 31 isn't the same if he's not yelling about the heist of the century, right? Like, all of that stuff plays into it so well. But for that match specifically, like, just to hear, even when they're doing the Olay, when Samoa Joe hits the... uh, Hits the boot while he's sitting against the. Oh, I love it! I love it, man. And something well, like seventy three, Josh. Do you know? <laughs> do you know the the backstory of Kobashi actually thought that he wasn't going to be over, and he thought yeah. he was going to be the foreign heel kind of thing. Yeah, and didn't Joe? So, if I remember correctly, he thought he was going to be the heel, and Joe yeah. was like, "No!" Like basically told him about all they the love tape you. trading and that. Right? Yeah. You go up. I it, again. So you watch the match the first time. You got no idea that that happened. You watch yeah. the match the second or third or fourth time, and then you watch Kobashi come through and literally just. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I love it, man. It's those I fun moments, though, of people getting lost in it. And uh, my previous thought that I sidetracked off of, because I tend to do that. Uh, you and I both, don't worry. <laughs> when I was looking at my passport, I was literally like, I only have this passport to wrestle in the States. I never had a passport before then. And I'm mm-hmm. like, there's a pandemic going on. I'm looking at our neighbors. I'm kind of scared that we might get affected by it. And I'm just like, well, there's great wrestling in Canada. Like in April, I was supposed to go to Vancouver for a couple shows, but also I was going to be there for three weekends, like uh, for like 17 days. But mm-hmm. every day I found that there were shows in 
Washington State. There were shows in California. I was literally going to land on a Friday morning at like 4 a.m., get a rental car, and immediately go to Seattle for a show that day. And then I was just yeah. going to live in that car and just go up and down the coast for wrestling. And unfortunately, I see a lot of my friends that they follow other people's leads, not their footsteps, but they hop in a car with someone or they get booked on a show yeah. because someone gets them booked on the show. But they don't know how to, like, make a brand for themselves or you can also never go further than the person bringing you along but yeah i listen to a bunch of podcasts i read books and not just wrestling i read even sports but i'm not a real sports guy but like yeah. autobiographies and just seeing like the struggles that people have had i've started getting into a lot of creativity books and it's literally just you have to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks don't worry about being perfect just be persistent and it'll pay off exactly and I keep seeing everyone, I think, thankfully, I'm really appreciative of my friendship with you that I'm getting exposed to so many guys from the West Coast. And mm -hmm. my my goal is going to be for next year, if the pandemic settles up, I'm like, I don't care about the states, but at least one weekend a month, I want to be in the Maritimes. I want to be in the prairies. I want to be in Vancouver, Alberta, wherever. And just yeah, like, and to bring that community of like, I see where the territory bullshit comes in of like, oh, well, these people, especially being a, a Toronto, Ontario guy, yep. I'm very close to just having heat because we're in the capital of Ontario and have a huge population. But because yeah. I'm a nice enough guy and I like talking to people and there's no, I'm better <clears throat> than you because no one's better than anyone. We're all fucking even. And yeah. it's literally, I see people from Ontario post stuff about Canada, but they don't know Canada. They know Ontario, and then mm -hmm. I look at it as like, well, that's offensive to people in Winnipeg. That's offensive to people in Edmonton because you're saying Canada, but you don't mean them. Like, just mean yeah. what you mean and just run with it because going to negative stuff, it's so easy to be like, this is garbage. I hate this. But it's harder to go, I don't like this, but I don't need to tell everyone I don't like this. Exactly. But I did love this, so I'm going to promote this. And it's, exactly. it's hard, but it's easy at the same time. I completely get it, man, because that was always something that I really struggled with when I was writing for the network and all of that is, you know, as, as most independent shows do, there's usually going to be one or two matches on a card where you say, well, that wasn't for me. I didn't enjoy that, whatever it may be. But like you say, man, like everybody at this level, you know, I'd have to assume if you're on an independent card in Edmonton, Alberta, for the most part, you you want to do something beyond be in Edmonton, Alberta, yeah. whether it's, hey, I'm wrestling here because I run a great training school and I want to attract people to it and I'm one of the best of the best here, so I'm going to do that. Or I'm in Edmonton right now because, like you say, I've, I've been in BC for this last week. I'm traveling back and there's a show. You know, I, I've, I've never... I've never understood the need to shit on people, and especially when you're at this level. You know, I do have... I do have the time and I use that lightly. Like if somebody's in the WWE or all elite wrestling or, or a ring of honor or an impact or one of sort of your proverbial major leagues, I like to think, and I'm not a hundred percent on this, but I like to think that those individuals there are at least being compensated fairly for their time. They're making money, they're paying their bills and they're doing what they want in life at this level. So if they'd have a match that I don't enjoy as much, you know, not that I've got the right, but I feel a little more comfortable, I guess, saying, oh, I didn't like this match from... Yeah. Well, you're also like, an actual Lethal commentator. You're, at, yeah. you're an actual... Like, I don't watch Raw, but I know if I happen to be awake when Raw's on, 
I know I'm seeing your tweets because every now and then I'll like reply or add to it. But it's you don't you're an actual you can be critical of it. Like I I talked on another podcast and I brought up the whole because that's all I do apparently is just talk about positivity, which is hilarious <laughs> because eight years ago when I was like twenty, one of there was this female that I worked with and she was very much a oh well that's negative, but she didn't mean negative or positive. She just yeah. meant like she didn't agree with that. Like she literally yeah. told me. So when I started working there, I became friendly with people. I turned. I didn't start drinking until a month before I turned twenty. And then once、okay. I started, once I started drinking, though, the next three years were. I was two、Blood、weeks away from being. Yeah, I was two weeks away from being an alcoholic. My favorite part was when you take about five or six shots of vodka or tequila. And you don't taste anything anymore, so you can taste everything. You're like, "Yep, that's not gonna make me puke." But、uh, literally, <laughs> I said, I think I mentioned, I was like, "Oh,、um, before me, because there was like a year of me working there before actually hanging out with people." I was like, "Oh, well, there wasn't this community like before me." And like, I'd literally look around a Boston pizza, and there's like 25 of us hanging out afterwards. Like, that's real cool on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I literally on、yeah. the walkie because it was at a movie theater and it was busy, and I just on the walkie because I was like ushering or checking theaters. I just went, "Hey, gang, I know it's been a rough night and all, but、uh, remember, we can go drinking at Boston Pizza after this. We got this. <laughs> Don't worry." And then I got、uh, a message from my、uh, manager on the walkie saying, "Brendan, can you come to Lower Ops, please?" <laughs> and I went, and she was just like, "Well, you need to be a positive. Like, you can't kind of dwell on it." I was like, "I'm, I'm not. I'm saying like, literally, look forward to what we're going to do afterwards." She like, she like doing because、uh, Cineplex employees are called cast members. She likes、yeah. putting up cast events, and、uh, she would be like, "The cast event will start at like twelve or twelve thirty because it's a movie、yeah. theater." And she would say, so if it's like Friday night at twelve thirty, she would put technically Saturday. So I put a post-it note on the lower ops door once, and it said unofficial cast event, Boston Pizza, twelve、uh, a.m. after work, technically Saturday. And、uh, and but like so, I'm hanging out. I'm looking around, and this girl that wants to bring up being positive or negative. Uh, when I bring up, oh, it's so nice! Like it's a community of all of all of us together. And she's like, "Oh, we used to get together. We just didn't invite a lot of people." And I looked at her, and I was like, "Do you not understand the bullshit that that sounds like? This weird、yeah. elitist that even if I don't like someone, I'll invite them to the bar. It's a public place. I don't have to talk to them." Exactly. Exactly, man. Like, there's so many parallels with that in professional wrestling too. You know, like there there are many people. Well, not many, actually. Luck, luckily enough, but like there are many people that you know maybe I'm not going to go for a one-on-one beer with, or I'm not going to see them on my time off, or whatever it may be. But like,、yeah. at the end of a wrestling show, all of you guys have come together for whether it's a shitty show, whether it's a great show, whatever. Everybody's come together for a common purpose. Let's go and celebrate that with everybody. You don't need to go to like to say you don't need to go to BPs and AJs and、oh, like go、yeah. to one place, enjoy each、yeah. other. Fuck, it's professional wrestling. There's enough bullshit out there from people like me with opinions online. <laughs> so let's talk about love wrestling then. Let's actually, and you know what? The fun thing is, my friend, this is going to be the first opportunity I get to talk about it a little bit. Oh, thank you for because、sharing. this 
Well, because, you know, like we were talking about a couple months ago, I've, I've tried to keep this pretty quiet and I've tried to, you know, give it a little bit under the radar. Um, the way I'm sort of equating it is, you know, you know somebody signed with the WWE, but they haven't made their debut yet. I'm in that yeah. weird waiting period right now. So Love Wrestling, dude, it, it falls into a lot of what you and I have just talked about in that there's just so much room for more positivity in professional wrestling. And I think that when I talked about the WCS 10, and, and I don't think that I did bad work with it by any means, but I think that it was definitely evident for me at the end of it that it was a first project. You know, yeah. there were a lot of things about it that I feel, A, I limited myself with, you know, only covering the Canadian Indies was our thing. Well, there's so much out there I love. For example, I loved Drew McIntyre, loved his championship run. If I was still writing for the network, wouldn't have been able to say anything about it because, well, as the Scottish psychopath, you can't write about him. He's not the yeah. Canadian Indies. Shut the fuck you up. You kind of put yourself in that box. Well, exactly. You know, when I'm doing interviews, I'm lucky enough to interview, um, say, Mans Warner, another perfect example. Why would you ever pass that interview up? Of course you don't. But, you know, does Mans Warner technically fall in my demographic of covering the Canadian Indies when he's never wrestled in Canada before and all of that? No. So... I think that there were a lot of opportunities for me on that end as far as like the actual brand goes. But the biggest opportunity for me was, as you find with a lot of things when you do them for a while, I just started falling out of love with it a little bit, you know, and whether that was my own personal falling out of love with it, whether that was due to some comments that I may have gotten about it or an amalgamation of all of it. Um, the biggest things that I really started to find with it were I started falling out of love with it because there were a lot of, um, obligations with it that I'd taken on myself but didn't necessarily enjoy. So, for example, when I would write about one specific match announcement because I was really excited about this one match, so let's highlight it. Well, you know, we've got four promotions running consistently in Alberta. We've got five, if you include the CWE, who's here pretty quarterly, about the best way to describe it. So, if I'm going to highlight this for the PWA, well, if I'm promoting Canadian wrestling, i got to do it for RCW and MPW and PPW and force pro when they were on and not hurt legacy because they put out a terrible product hi stacy angel but <laughs> i think that if we're uh if we're looking at the promotions who run here and i think do a good job of it you know hold by the end of it i was writing somewhere like 10 to 12 to 15 articles a day on some things that frankly i either didn't need to or didn't want to and it yeah. just spiraled man like you, we follow each other you see i've got a dog i've got a girlfriend i've got two jobs outside of this i've got a lot going on that frankly for me at the end of the day is the juice really worth the squeeze when i'm writing about this person moves to this promotion that seven people are going to read because at the end of the day it's just not a big deal no so for me with love wrestling is is what i want to do is really just highlight not just the positives in professional wrestling but Highlight what I love about professional wrestling, whether it's, you know, we talk about the camaraderie. If I want to write an article about what it's like to be backstage or wrestling show with the boys and the girls who make a wrestling show happen, let's do that because it speaks to the positivity in pro wrestling. It speaks to the love of the industry that we all work in. If I want to write about Drew McIntyre because his title reign kicked ass, let's do it. And if I want to interview you and if I want to interview Alexia Nicole and Jody Threat and Michael Richard Blaze and all these great people in Canadian wrestling. Well, it ain't like I'm limited to doing none of that because fuck, it's just what I love in pro wrestling, right? I want to write a 5,000 word article on Brad Myers. I can do it because the <laughs> content's there. <laughs> I, uh, I, there's two points you brought up in there. Well, one was my question of, so I understand 
like getting attention of Mance Warner because I saw him when like he was he was nobody yet. He actually wrestled Shane Saber, a buddy of mine in Chicago, and oh, I just man. like. I saw his tweets and I like DM'd him. I was like, your tweets are hilarious. And this is like before MLW, before him blowing up. And he's like, appreciate it. And then seeing that blow up where it's, I'm like, okay, as a content creator, you can see people with buzz where then I look at how do you, because you were the first, you emailed me like a professional, not a DM, (laughs) which threw me off. And like, it took me a while to like, I didn't even know if it was real or spam because it was during the pandemic. And I'm like, uh, and then we figured it out. And my favorite part was right after we record the podcast, uh, cause it was like for a radio station. So it's like, yeah. don't swear immediately. You stopped recording. You went, fuck yeah, that was awesome. Which I, I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but so like, how do you find like those? Like, I understand the indie guys in your area because you're going to the shows or you're seeing the posters. How do yep. you see Ontario? Because I'm definitely not a guy that I'm not consciously doing stuff to get attention. I'm doing stuff so that I can get better every time. Yeah, man. You know, for me, for me, it's a lot of word of mouth. Number one, I guess, you know, the easy story. I try and watch as much wrestling from any of the Canadian promotions I can. So if they put something up for free, whether it's like A1, whether it's Crossbody, whether it's Smash, PWA, MPW, whoever it may be, if they've got something online... I try and watch at least three or four just random matches a day, whether it's first thing in the morning, late in the day, just because I, I love wrestling, dude. I just really, really love pro wrestling. So watching matches ain't a chore. Um, for me, though, like, I guess number one, uh, at the start of the pandemic was really the first time that I consciously really tried to um, source people, I guess. And right mm-hmm. off the bat, a lot of them were just people I had watched. You know, for, for yourself specifically, dude, the first thing I asked you about was the mask because it was the first thing that drew me to you. It was like, holy shit, here's a dude in a wolf mask. This is cool <laughs> as shit. Right? So that was it. When I was talking to Casey Spinelli, she recommended Electrical was one of the people out of Ontario. So same thing. Let's reach out to her. It's, it's you know, a few of them are favorites that I just never thought I'd get the opportunity to get to chat with. Like, I cannot thank whatever deity exists enough for the fact that there have been people like Chelsea Green and TJ Wilson and individuals like that who, you know, man, like I say this with the most love I possibly can and say this fully well aware of the fact that I think I'm good at what I do. But like, dude, do you know how many emails or DMs people like that, like a Chelsea or a TJ or like shit, Deanna Perrazzo, any of those people get like, man, the fact that they chose to take the time out for me is, is huge. So as far as actively sourcing, it's a weird way to put it. And it's, you know, probably the easiest answer I can give you, but it's fine. People you like, and just, they've got anything you can do to get Like I was, if you've got a booking email in your Twitter bio, look out because chances are you're going to get an email from me at some point. Right. Like, but like you say, Holden, like it's, it's, I think the big differentiator for me is, you know, I'm lucky enough and, and lucky enough that I was able to go through school and I was lucky enough that I was able to sort of have some good mentors as far as uh, uh, not only wrestling, but marketing and business and that sort of stuff go that taught me how to do things the right way. I'm certain, like you say, dude, there's probably so many DMs you have. They're like, hey, want to do an interview? Like, like you can't even take the time to say hello, Holden. Hello, Mr. Albright. Like, shit. That's been the most fun well, part for my me. My favorite part is <laughs> so my favorite part is for Go Hard Pro. A bunch of people did reach out to me. My biggest annoyance is when people reach out to me and then they interview me and they ask me the most simplest questions that you could just Google. 
and oh my god um, just like but uh well, this is actually gonna nothing... cut out in about in about a minute but yeah there's do you want to as it, do you want to cut it out right well i was gonna say do you want to cut it out and we can get restarted right here while you're starting off yes actually yeah if you're good for like another 15 20 minutes did you do waiting for spencer to come back there he is go live there we go <laughs> sorry about that i was sending a request i think when you yeah. sent the request i screwed yeah. it all up but if it wasn't for accidents i wouldn't be alive so we're okay <laughs> see i i see i say a joke that's like i know i wasn't an accident because i have an older sister but i'm definitely a period because of uh there wasn't a third child after me <laughs> So you either ruined everything or they thought they had it perfect. See, I'm the oldest kid. I was at the parents' wedding. So, like, me supposed to be here, like, the chances of that, nothing. <laughs> uh, so we were talking, as an interviewer, when you listen to other interviews, because I'm sure you, like, do your research sometimes, where you're like, oh, I'll listen here to see. Also, you get to, because when you see Holden Albright's promo videos, it, it's basically serial killer videos. And uh, when you talk to me, though, it's, it's fucking Brendan. I'm laughing. I'm joyous. I'm literally, I just want to have a good time and have fun. And uh, it's that stuff of, like, no matter who I am, at some point I'll probably end up interviewing them in the interview of me just because it's funner <laughs> that way. Like, why wouldn't I want to learn more about this person I just talked to for 20, 30 minutes? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, and Sorry, go oh, ahead. Sorry. No, you can go ahead because I forgot. No, you go. No, you go. Point. No, because uh, I made my points and from an interviewer <laughs> as it being your pet peeve. There's nothing that frustrates me more because it's very evident, man. Like when I do when I do an interview. So, for example, when I interviewed you, I'll end up going to page 10 on Google for everything oh. I can find, whether it's written, whether it's audio, whatever. Um, when it's people I know, oddly enough, I tend to be doing more research on that end than when it's someone I don't know, oddly enough, because I feel like, like the perfect example is with Chelsea Green is, is when I interviewed her, um, you know, we chatted a bit before that. You feel like there's almost a little bit more pressure there than just chatting to someone for the very first time. Right. But, um, there's nothing that frustrates me more than, than a lack of prep, because to be honest with you, the biggest frustration on that is. It's so easy to do. It's time consuming. It's tedious. But those two things and easy are, are different words. For me, if, if research, and I say research lightly, if research is as easy as throwing on a podcast on my drive to work, if research is as easy as going through an article that takes four minutes to read, it's not that hard. Usually I'll do about a couple of hours of prep, you know, and luckily enough, if there's someone who um, I spoke to Duke DeRossi a couple of months ago and he had a full three hour extended interview. So there's my prep. Listen to that <laughs> full thing. You're good to go. But like, man, there's, there's nothing that frustrates me more and I get why people ask it, but like Holden, who are your dream matches? I almost guarantee anytime you hear that, it's like, well, shit, like, okay, I'm going to answer this, but I've also answered this for podcast X wrestling fan. One, two, I will, three, all that of those, is, uh... you know? That is a great example because I just figured out my answer. Because I related to there's some local podcasters that interviewed me just to interview me because you see my name pop up a lot. 
And yeah. Josh Alexander is someone that I've wrestled. There was a two-year stretch where I basically wrestled him every three or four months. And all the matches were kind of different. It challenged me. And he, he was like a mentor. He was never like a proper trainer of mine. But he definitely mm -hmm. chose to invest in me. And showed me different things and stuff. And every time, like, it would be a 30-minute main event. Cool. And then we had a 12-minute opener somewhere. We went to randomly, like, Timmins, Ontario. That's, like, 12, cool. 14 hours away. Uh, we did it in downtown Toronto. We did a 60-minute Ironman match. Like, we've done the cool. whole gambit. And every time, it's challenged me. And then I'm interviewed by someone locally. And they go, oh, what was, like, your level-up moment? So I was like, oh, when I faced Josh. Oh, when did that happen? I go... Like, recently or the first time? It's like, oh, I didn't know, like, you wrestled Josh. I'm like, yeah, I've wrestled him, like, nine times. You just happened to only go to one promotion. Yeah, and even that stuff. Like, again, if, if you're going to do an interview and you haven't even done a cursory search of whoever your guest is going to be. Go through the Instagram like, feed. Just go well, through the yeah. Instagram feed. Like, what are you doing? Because if you Google Holden Albright, I can personally tell you at least when you and I chatted, that one of those Josh Alexander matches popped up in the little video feed yeah. where it shows you the three. Like, it, it does frustrate me because, you know, like, not not to say that I'm the best at it. I really by, by no means am. But as someone who knows there are people in this industry with far more experience, far more followers, reach, whatever it may be, like, I've listened to podcasts on professional sites sites that have picked up my interviews sites that credit themselves as some of the premier news sources in wrestling <laughs> and it sounds like all they did was grab a fucking like portable microphone throw it in the middle of a room somewhere say all right let's talk like okay your quality is horrible your questions oh so what was it like what was it like taking your first bump <laughs> okay D did it hurt yeah i bet you the other 80 people you've interviewed have also said it hurt but i kept going Fuck, come on. Like it, and, and even when you want to ask those questions, there's different ways to ask that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Who's your dream match? What was the difference between wrestling Josh this time and this time? Those yeah. are two very different questions that, at the end of the day, get to a similar destination. You know what I mean? I understand trying to guide a conversation. I understand trying to um, introduce your guests to your listeners. You know, you and I are a perfect example of that in that, you're from Ontario. I'm from Edmonton. We don't really have a lot of crossover in our respective uh, for wrestling now. For families. Now. Exactly. I'm still politicking for you out here. Oh, but, don't worry. Uh, I'm going to be out there next year whenever this like kind of subsides and I'm not in like it's a the worst attack. area. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate the support. I, I like because I'm like not a negative person and I'm not shitty on anyone. I do realize like. I've gone that back, like with Go Hard Pro being so successful on the funding side, literally people just said it's because they know I'm behind and they believe in me. And then that goes me and my broken brain goes, I'm not worthy of this. What do you mean you believe in me? It's like, well, it's you prepare and what you said there. And it kind of goes back to earlier on. It's that whole, it's just, it's easy, which translate to it being lazy. Like you're not trying. And yeah. that's where it's, it's hard to try. But you have to that's, try. Hold on, that's a perfect way to put it. That's actually, you, you couldn't have hit the nail and you couldn't have explained it. You couldn't have explained what I was trying to explain better than that. Because it's so true, man. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing easy about hard work. And no. I'm not sitting and saying that, like you say, you know, 
is it fun for me to sit and have to listen to sometimes four, five, six hours of podcasts in a day because I've got an interview Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? No, it's not necessarily fun. It's not necessarily enjoyable for me to see my puppy sitting there, my girlfriend struggling, and God credit to her because she knows that this is important to me, right? Like, it's um, it's difficult. It's tedious. It's time consuming. Fuck, like we talk about listening to shitty interviews. Have you ever listened to a shitty podcast and then consciously made the decision to go on listening to it? That's hard. You're yeah, listening and you're like, wow, this sounds like somebody recorded this through a fan in a muffler. And somehow I have to go through and listen to another 40 minutes of this. See, oh. I, will admit, I will admit there's some This Is Brendan episodes like that because we're recording while we're driving back. But I'm a big, I like talking to people when they're exhausted because it even became well, like a thing for me of exhausted Brendan it's I will take a nap at dinner. I will I will also just any of my general thoughts of just like why the fuck do random fans just think Orange Cassidy shit because some old vet told them that. And that's where I've now gotten the justification that people aren't original with their thoughts. They just trust this old vet and go, Well, he said on an RF shoot interview, so it must be true. It's like, no, people are bitter and you have to understand that and try to take it away. But on the car rides back where the audio's a little messed up because the AC's on. But when you're hearing what we're saying, and as wrestlers, I'm talking... Cole Cabano does great interviews with wrestlers, but I'm more so, because we're all local guys, and we're all, like, none of us have made it in the big time. We're having these conversations about life, and which has led to me having this weird, like, more therapy side to it, like, more of a WTF style of talking about that. And it's yeah. that, like, Gilmy Talks is in the chat right now. And he, I did a podcast with him uh, several months ago, maybe even over a year ago. And we just met for the first time. We chatted. We did another one for Go Hard Pro. And then legitimately, we started recording at 9 o'clock. We didn't stop talking until, like, 12.31 a.m. Just because he does a podcast. I do a podcast. We understood the hustle and, like, working hard and, like, knowing what levelator is, not just taking your raw audio and putting it up. But uh, Oh, my not, God. I do. I will recommend a book to you because I just read it because I moved place of uh, where I work, and the new place is so slow because the building's so big, but the flow for uh, what we're supposed to do is not – it takes forever to go. So I literally finished two books in two days at work, and Excellent. it's called – it's called Do the Fucking Work, and mm-hmm. it's about a design company and how they rose up and how they kind of failed, kind of got lucky, and they have, like, those motivational things in it, but it's one of my favorite pages literally said, B, and, like, eight or nine or ten uh, P words, like, persistent, patient, et cetera, et cetera, productive, and then on the other page, it just says, but don't be perfect. Because nobody's fucking yeah. perfect. And it's literally, yeah. I recommend anyone now that actually does stuff, go to an Indigo, find that book in the self-help or business section, wherever it is, flip through it, and then you'll be like, okay, now I need to read this book just for the fact that it's literally like an Instagram quote that you can open up. And I'm not a big fan of vulgar self-help positivity. Of uh, Chris uh, Chris Parrish in uh, the chat, though, is really impressive. Yeah, I see him. <laughs> I see him. That's my uh, co-host and soon-to-be uh, individual I beat in fantasy hockey. Ooh, calling him out. Uh, <laughs> but it's 
it's that whole, I don't believe the whole, you need to, the subtle art of not giving a fuck or unfuck yourself. Like all these things that are trying to shock you to be like, oh, this help self-help book is different from this one because they swore at me where I'm like, no, yeah. but weirdly enough, do the fucking work where it's called lowbrow advice for high level creativity. It's mm -hmm. literally, I understand on hustle and grind, like being swear, uh, swearing a little bit, kind of being a dick because you do have to move forward. And sometimes you have to make that tough decision. Like you said, looking at your dog and your girlfriend and you're like, I'm doing this. And hopefully this comes back later on for uh, tenfold. Absolutely, man. And I love that you said that like that. Don't be perfect because that was probably for me, the hardest thing that I had to accept, you know, um, I am a perfectionist, like in everything yeah. that I do, I want it to be as close to perfect as possible. And um, especially with something as, as, personal uh, yeah as personal as as writing or recording whatever it may be you know i think the people look at wrestling and you know on the surface it may not seem like a very personal thing but when you start to dig down into a professional wrestling might be the most personal art out there in my experience with it right so getting through and getting to do that and 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 trying to make that perfect just so that you sort of feel valid so that you sort of lose the imposter syndrome behind it that was really the hardest thing for me have to do you know and one of the first things that for me really started to change that at the very least um like we talk about the audio there and it sort of struck me um the the seventh interview the seventh interview i ever did um it was my fifth episode of conversations with love i did two prior uh the fifth interview i ever did for that show was nicole matthews and dude, like, by a goddamn mile, one of my favorite professional wrestlers out there, male, female, independent, professional, whatever you may list as your, your deciding factors there, like, by my money, there are very, very few professional wrestlers better than her. And same thing as I do with all of my interviews. I'm shitting bricks beforehand. Interview goes great. Absolutely fantastically. She'll kill me for saying it, but couldn't find a better person to do the interview with. And I go home and I, I listen to the interview and holy shit, dude. Like they're unloading the ring, tearing down the ring, all of that. Like the audio was fucking just horrible. And I'm literally sitting here, seventh interview in, got just hot. Because I'm sitting here thinking I've got an interview with a personal favorite that I have done an incredible disservice to both her and myself with this poor audio quality. And it took me a little bit, like I'm probably sitting there, if it's supposed to be announced Wednesday or released Wednesday, I'm sitting there on Friday thinking like, shit, like, do I put this out? Do I put this out? And finally just on sort of the like, fuck it, fuck it, put it up, fuck it, put it up. And to this day, like, you know, not to toot my own horn, but there's still a couple people in there who are like, man, like, I still love that interview you did with Nicole. So much cool stuff you got out of it. Like this was right when Becky Lynch is starting to get on the rise. So we're talking about Becky Lynch for 20 minutes of it. And like, you know, that's where, that's where it starts to get of like, do you have to be perfect? You have to be good. Like you have to be competent. And if I did that interview and did the proverbial, who are your dream matches? Then I'm sure that the three listeners who would have listened to it would have been very disappointed. But yeah, by taking the time, by doing the research, by putting some passion behind it, I think that that's where people can really start to look past the, you know, the, the technical errors or whatever you're so choose to describe. Because like you say, dude, when, when, when I listen to this and Brendan, like, I enjoy the ones when it's it's more of just the shooting the shit because that's where you get the cool little nuggets. It's not yeah. it's not an interview, it's a conversation. And yeah. that's why for me I really try I really clearly tried to differentiate this is an interview, this is a conversation. 
Yeah. And even now right. for me, a lot of the interviews I'm doing are on stuff like this. It's not, well, what's your wrestling career like? It's let's talk about positivity yeah. and love and the things that we, we want in the world. Because if we're putting that out into the world, it's going to happen. It manifests itself. You see it happen yes. too often in too many different places. Like, man, I ain't religion. But karma is a son of a bitch, and it is right there, and it happens too often to me to not believe in it. <laughs> Shout out Big Daddy Dodge. Uh, but literally that whole, I'm not religious. I grew up Catholic. I'm an atheist now. But now I go like, oh, universe. Or like, I don't believe in like destiny or fate, but I do believe in hard work or hustle or grind, and you'll, get, you'll reap the words eventually. It may be in six months. It may be in six years. Uh, but like, what's funny is like, we talked about the old, uh, the old guard and their thought process before, like my, I saw a quote that said, uh, don't focus on fighting the past. Just make sure the future has a better tomorrow. And I've realized that between this podcast and there's younger guys that they listen to me and they see how I behave versus some other people, like the whole, there's one guy that he's a younger guy and he told me because we're in the car, we're shooting the shit and I ask, because uh, I will ask the most random questions. I will ask, what's your favorite porn category? I would ask, <laughs> but in this instance, I was like, who's someone in wrestling you hate? Because when you say that as a question, hate is a vague term. You could hate someone because they're racist. You can hate someone because they assaulted you. You can hate someone for the way that they behave. So, I, and I got like a few people that are like, I don't like this person or I don't like this person. But then one person told me they didn't like this guy because they wrestled him and they were told, oh, well, like you're newer, so you're not going to get too much stuff in. And he said, I'm new and I didn't learn anything from the match. So I felt like I wasted my time. I mm -hmm. love wrestling younger guys right now because like, like I said earlier, they they appreciate it more and it's a boost of confidence for them. Like funnily enough, Evan Greenaway, I wrestled him on a Thursday show. We went 20 minutes in an opener cause I had to go to uh, downtown Toronto to wrestle a no ring <laughs> match. And we literally have a 20 minute opener and I forget what the finish was. Maybe it was like a clothesline from hell. And I mm -hmm. just like checked on him. I just gave him a little squeeze to make sure he was all right. And he kicks out cause he thought I told him to kick out when I was just like, you good, homie? And he kicked out. And I was like, okay. He was I, real I, good. And, and I picked <laughs> him up and I gave him um, I gave him a tombstone on the fly. Like, this is all, like, the match was supposed to finish. So I had to pick him up, tombstone. One, two, once again, checking on him. Kicks out again. I'm laughing. I just lock in, like, a fucking rear naked choke. And I'm just like, tap. And he taps. But I'm just dying inside. Because I'm just like... Probably if it happened with anyone else and they just kicked out of a finisher, kicked out of another finisher, I'd be like, what the fuck? Where it's just buried, like, just, just buried the entire 2002 SmackDown roster with that. No, 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 because that was planned. I'm talking about like the plan was we're supposed to finish and he kicked out. Like it became a falsy by accident. But it, I, I laugh because I love Evan and I knew how much he learned from that match and how much he appreciated it. And it's because like, why would I not want to wrestle hard? I'm very much a, if you, well, I have the benefit of having big legs. If I was a fat dude without big legs, I would just be a fat dude in wrestling. So yeah. I, I have the benefit that you look at me, especially when my hair cuts all weird, I have the wolf mask on. 
you go, okay, he's a pro wrestler. I get it. Uh, yeah. But but every time I go out there, I need to prove to people because I, I know for sure, and no one says it to my face because I think they think I'm going to hit them, uh, but I won't. I, I'm more so, because I'm a big dude, it's easy to assault someone, but I'd rather psychologically torment them and make them yeah. regret their life decisions. And um, what happens, though, it's with young... So I always look at it, I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's guys in the area that look at me and go, oh, Holden's getting all these opportunities, but, like, I could do it if... And if what? If you worked as hard as I did, if you sacrificed family time, if you did it frequently, yeah, yeah. If you did that, maybe you'd have my spot, but also you don't do it. Why don't you do that? And why you focus on me? Exactly. Because for me, like, you know, in Alberta, I'm one of the only individuals doing what I do on the West coast. I'm one of the only individuals doing what I do and, and not to toot my own horn, but I do believe that I'm one of the only ones doing it. Well, especially when you look at Alberta and the one other guy we've got here. The thing that frustrates me is, is exactly what you said, Ben is like <laughs> interviewing is easy. Well, do it. I'd love to see somebody do it. Interviewing is easy. Spence, how do you get all these big names? You're so lucky. No, no, I'm not. Because I can tell you how many people I've sent emails to where, again, like we talked about with Chelsea and TJ earlier, do you know how many times I've sent an email off to Chris Jericho or to like Sting just as names, not these yeah. guys individually, but like sending off emails to these guys, I have it on my list. I send 100 emails a week and usually... I'll send off more. And these are all just interview requests with each one of them. They're personalized somehow because yeah. if I'm emailing you, I'm not interviewing you for the same reason that I'm interviewing gentleman Jervis, that I'm interviewing heavy metal, that I'm interviewing all these guys. And like you say, somebody emails you, well, shit, you got to make it worth their time. If I'm emailing you, I think I even specifically said like, dude, you look cool as shit and starting <laughs> to watch your pro wrestling from there. I've loved it. Would you like to chat? Same thing when I email off gentleman Jervis. Hey, Jervis, I love your mentality in professional wrestling. I love the fact that you push positivity for everyone in professional wrestling. Would you like to chat? That's just one part of it. Setting the interview up, making sure your levels are correct, right? Making sure that you take care of everything that you're doing during the recording process, making sure your lighting's correct, making sure that you're actually recording because I've ended an interview and went to hit the record button and been like, well, you want to do that again or do you want to reschedule? Right after that, like, dude, with everything I do, I do my graphic design, I do my promotion, I do my social media, I do the paid advertising on all of it. All of that's covered off on my end. So go ahead and set up your little Sony recorder in the middle of a room, and let's go ahead and, and see who does better in the long run of things. Yeah. Because if you think what I'm doing is so easy, the same way that people think what you're doing is so easy, the same way I've heard a lot of people in Alberta say, well. Anybody can train anybody in professional wrestling well, then why has nobody done it well until the Top Talent Wrestling Academy opened following the closure of storms, right? Everybody's happy to talk, you yeah. know? Nobody's happy to do. And if anybody wanted to do, and they're better than me, then shit, man, as I know you do too, that's a motivator for me. Yeah. If there's somebody out there getting bigger names, like, in the best possible way. When I see people in sort of a relatively similar level to me, get an interview that I wanted to score, I oh, shit. Guess yeah. I better send them an email, though, because I know they're doing interviews. See, that's the perfect <laughs> thing right there, where it's, so with Go Hard Pro, I'm legitimately pushing collaboration over competition, because 
I think people will hear, oh, the Monday Night Wars were great because it was competitive. But they mm -hmm. don't realize the competition was between the companies. The talent just had options of where to go. What competition is, it's not, I'm going to have a better match tonight in spite of you because you can't hang with me. It's, no, the competition is, oh, I want to have the best match of the night just to have that best match. And if my buddy happens to have a better match, I'm still watching the whole show. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. And, like, exactly. I love... And I love that small stuff where anyone that's so small-minded that you can't wrestle here because of this or whatever, it's like, uh. But uh, there is one quick question that I want to – I have no idea. Do you, oh, <laughs> this is from your co-host. Uh, this one would be in Sherwood Park. These are the uh, official sponsors of the Sherwood Park Crusaders right here on Ord's Road. Uh, if you want to come and check it out, if you guys are in Sherwood Park, right across from the bus station and mcdonald's right when you enter sherwood park off the sherwood park freeway man i, I feel like we could have had a <laughs> drinking game of uh take a shot every time you said sherwood park i have to go back to work after this that's why i've stuck to the one <laughs> <laughs> uh so like we'll kind of wrap this up but uh there was uh, someone mentioned the whole uh big guy dodge actually i'll read the whole exchange i'm a new wrestling manager and get shit talked because i don't train much uh, your co-host actually chimed in. Training does matter for everyone. Just because you don't bump doesn't mean you can't learn. But there is a lot more than training for manager. But I suggest going to training more, which Big Daddy Dodge replied. I try to. I am the type that learn as I go, but I understand. So I don't believe you're listening to the first half of this interview. So go back in the Instagram live, uh, the Instagram TV that has that. And I touch it, and it's literally... You go to training so that referees, managers, pro wrestlers, they all go to training so that they know how to put a match together. You can know sequences. Even though you're not doing a shine spot or a hot comeback sequence, doesn't mean you can't watch other people do. And especially if you go to fucking training, watch the ring. Shut up and stop talking to each other. Just look at the ring and see what everyone else is doing. Because guess what? They're probably going to fuck something up. Get asked... A or ask a question, and guess what? If you go in there and fuck up the exact same way, I know you weren't paying attention. Yep. And that's like, when that's you're going to yelled at more. Well, it's... No, and, and I, I think you're say, I wouldn't say yelled at. I more so lose faith. Like, I'm now learning the energy and bandwidth that there are people out there that I can help out. But there's only so many times. I'll put out my hand to lift someone up all the time. But if you keep falling over, at some point, I'm putting my hand out there, and if you're not helping me get get you up, I don't care. And it's that whole people don't – they used to think not caring was, like, a cool thing or being angry was your gimmick, like the angry video game nerd or anything. Where No, we now live in a world where it's literally collaboration. It's like, oh – you do great video editing. Oh, I got these ideas. Let's partner together. Oh, you exactly. have a podcast. Let's interview. Let's have like, we've been talking for about an hour and a half now. And literally because we both talk to people, this is a conversation. People will talk for five, 15 minutes and then don't have anything to add. Right. And, and especially in professional wrestling where networking and, and I, you know, it's not who you know, or it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that applies everywhere. But I think in professional wrestling, when you've really got the opportunity as your own brand, you know, not an independent contractor, that's an entirely different thing. As your own brand, 
you really do have to go out of your way to be making those things happen, right? Like for yourself, as great as you are at pro wrestling, I highly doubt that it's easy for you to get bookings just randomly. I highly doubt that anybody's emailing you randomly for the most part, especially now and saying, hey, saw this, hey, saw this. It's the hustle that leads to that stuff starting to happen. For every email like that that you get, and it's not that I'm sure you get none, but for every email like that that you get, I'm certain you've sent out 10 or 20 or 100 to another promotion see, saying, hey, see, here's I'm holding Albright, here's my demo. So literally, I always say my biggest fault is I don't reach out enough for uh, for bookings, but it's I will get in the car with someone and I will help set up the ring. I will do mm. seminars so people will see me in action. I know like yeah. that's my way that sure well now because i have like a character and i have like steam it's very easy to be like oh yeah here's my uh references but you can have all the references in the world if you don't show up and show out you're not coming back and that's what exactly. i care about it's well, the perfect back. and the perfect example for that is uh you know you talk about how do you find the people that you would like to interview well i talked about alexia with casey spinelli earlier but the two people that i saw at the summit that I wanted to interview that I, you know, realistically thought I could interview was Alexia and Jody Threat. And why did I get to see them? Because those two and two other women, um, those two showed up the day before for a seminar with Bull Nakano. They did well. They've got an opening match at the summit. That's my first opportunity to get to see him. And since then, like you and I talk about him, I think pretty well every time we shoot the shit is just like, yeah. man, every time you watch the both of them, they're grown and they've grown substantially. Yeah. Whereas you watch Alexia in uh, backyard pro man. And like, on a great show, easily a highlight, you know? See, I take a little credit for the fact that I never got into wrestling for WrestleMania. My dream was just to be a wrestler. And you actually say the whole, the dream opponent thing. Yeah, before I used to be like Samoa Joe, Tomohiro Ishii. Like, those are like the guys I want to wrestle because I think the matches will be good. And then I'm yeah. like, now I just say my dream opponent is my next opponent because my dream was I want to wrestle and any opponent of mine is, uh, what's it called? Is complacent to that dream. Like they're helping me achieve that dream. So yeah. compliant. So I'm like any opponent I wrestle, you are my dream opponent. And that's why every time I go out there, I give 110%. So it's that stuff where it's, Jody, once she got like her green light, she started rolling with me, Wheeler, Stratosphere when we were doing the Riot Maker yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. Gabriel Fuerza and Alexia Nicole, we became really close friends pretty much like two years ago. And then yeah. we all started riding together and that's where they started going to shows they weren't booked on to hang out. But that's how you get booked going forward because if you're not at shows you're not booked on, you're out of sight, out of mind. And yeah. it's literally with them, last year was... Every year for me, I've gone up and up match uh, match numbers just because of consistency and I don't want to be home on weekends. So, And last year, both Fuerza and Alexia had the most number of matches they've ever had and they've been wrestling since 2013. And I'm just like, oh, I get to now see that I'm contributing to a good environment. And unfortunately, I feel bad for any wrestler that started before 2010. Because they didn't have the reality that you could make a living and not have a contract. You could go to, like, Mike Bailey's a perfect example. Goes to Japan for two months, goes to Germany for three months, comes back to Canada for a month, goes here, goes there. And he's a full-time wrestler. Like, that's yeah. the goal. It's not what initials are on a contract. It's to make a living doing pro wrestling. Absolutely, man. I think that, like, you and I are, I think we're exactly the same age. You're 28 as well, yeah? 
Uh, I turn 28 next month, so 92. Well, you betcha. So I feel yes. like our our year even specifically, but sort of say the 90 to 94, I feel like we're almost in like a bit of a gap generation for a lot of those sorts of things. And that like, there's a very want or, or, or there's a huge want to do things with the new school way. But having so many of those old school mentalities just having been ingrained, like you talk about wrestlers who started before 2010. I know that there are a lot of them on, on sort of the West Coast or in the Pacific Northwest that, for lack of a better way to put it, are sort of those, well, it's WWE or bust sorts of people, you know? And like you say, man, there are so many opportunities out there for people who don't even want to go to the major leagues. No. You know, you could go your entire career without wrestling for any of the the big five, as I yeah. suppose they like to be called. And you, you'll you make yourself a living. Speedball yeah. Bailey's a great example of it. Tyson Dukes, and I know that that guy could have had a contract on multiple opportunities, but, like, you watch what that guy's done, and by my money, man, there isn't a smarter guy in professional wrestling than, than Tyson Dukes as far as the actual art of professional wrestling. And he's been doing it at an independent level, repping Canada for 22 years. The guy's just nuts. Absolutely nuts. See, see, I... I, I unfortunately, like, I look at those people and it's that whole losing faith where you'll become better because of what you didn't have versus appreciating what you did have and the opportunities you had and, like, sh- shit happens. But maybe it's just not your time and maybe it's, maybe you're not supposed to be the focal point, but you're supposed to be behind the scenes. You're supposed to be coaching. Maybe that is yeah. your, it's finding your fit in wrestling. And that's exactly. what when there's guys that are in this for 10 plus years and they're still fucking good, they still work out, they're in good shape, but they don't care anymore and you see it in them or they get bitter and it's just like, dude, why? Like, don't let this out. Get a journal at Dollarama. Like, calm down <laughs> and just like, don't let, just focus on the future. Literally, where. Like, you brought up that whole falling out of love with wrestling. And I started saying that this year where I'm like, wrestling's this weird thing that when I'll randomly post something on my Facebook where I'm like, what's your favorite match that you would show a non-wrestling fan? And for me now, it's I would show the promos for Cody versus Dustin and then that match. Because that match is so, like, pro-wrestling. And, like, Dustin bled way too much and like you're watching it though but like you feel it and especially if you watch the promos beforehand it's literally I remember watching that and I was just like oh my god like this is like this may be the best wrestling match I ever consciously watched live as it happened Yep, and I'm just like appreciating where once again knowing that whole insideness made me appreciate it on a whole nother level than Rock Austin at Wrestlemania 17 Hell yeah, man. The two the two I would give for you on that one, and one's a pretty new addition to the list for me. The first match I'd show anybody would be Punk Cena at Money in the Bank 2011. If you want an example yeah. of what a crowd adds to professional wrestling, there it is. There it is. Full stop. End of story. That for me might be... Uh, no, it is. It is for me. The greatest match in WWE history. End of story. The other match that I would suggest that I would watch or show to any non-professional wrestling fan... Uh, Gentleman Jervis and Orange Cassidy at Wrestle Circus 2017, because for me, that is another example of what just makes professional wrestling great. It's what makes sports entertainment great. It makes whatever, you know, piece of nomenclature you want to put on this weird, wonderful industry we work in. It's what makes it great because, again, you watch that match and you just hear those two names and 
you know, it's, it's, it is not going to be the most seriously taken professional wrestling match by any means, but as a piece of art, as a piece of professional wrestling, it is so flawlessly done because every fan there loves it. They are fully invested. Every commentator there is selling it like it's the end of the world, the biggest WrestleMania main event of all time. Every piece of it is just so, and then just the wrestling, like, Number one, I think both of those individuals are severely underrated as far as what they can actually do as professional wrestlers. But as entertainers, what they're able to do, it's hard for me to pick two better guys in pro wrestling. Anyone that says comedy wrestling is easy isn't funny. I would have more confidence in myself, and this is no training. I'd have more confidence in myself working just a basic five-minute match. Yeah something like that than trying to work a comedy match live Dude, theater like, live improv is the hardest thing in the world to hit yeah. and especially when like some promotions in alberta or some promotions worldwide like pride themselves on being serious pieces of pro wrestling when you get an audience that stuff doesn't fly for man there's nothing harder at least with a traditional wrestling match you know you can go from you know, Tennessee style to yeah. working something, something else, right? You can change it up in the ring. If chain wrestling isn't working, well, fuck, do a flip. If you're in a comedy match and that comedy ain't hitting, yeah, what are you going to do? It's literally because I, uh, I wrestled Addy Star earlier this year. And my style is, like, I, I've wrestled Pretty Ricky a ton. And he is literally a comedy, just, he's a funny person. You can look at him and just laugh. And yeah. I, I see other people kind of, like, talk down on him like it's easy. And when I wrestled Addy Star, I called a match, and she loves Masato Tanaka in Japanese style. And I'm like, mm -hmm. sweet, I'm more of a strong style kind of guy. And it's a weird twist of it being an intergender match, because it was literally the last show before COVID. There's only 75, 80 people there because people return their tickets. It's in a small town, and literally it's most of these people first time watching wrestling live. And I have to mm. wrestle a woman. So it's like, okay, learning like how not to... Because I've wrestled a bunch of intergender matches. But once again, you get better every time you do it. So I'm like, okay, exactly. doing this. And we're calling the match. And it's a little more strong, Sally. Like, I didn't punch her or forearm, uh, give her a forearm once. But I gave her chops, body slam, stuff like that. And she told yeah. me, she's like, well, are you sure you don't want to do like gaga or like dick jokes or anything? And I'm like, every time I see intergender matches that end up with like a waist lock and there's like grinding or something i'm just like that's just sexual assault like yeah. that's not so i even she told me they don't want uh japanese they don't want new japan they want haha -ha. and then i like grabbed her by the shoulders i just put my hands on her and i went they don't know what they want because they haven't seen it yet once you assume what someone wants hey i like vanilla ice cream anytime but sometimes i want like cookies and cream or chocolate or something if you just gave me strawberry because if you said i like this i'll take your opinion and i'll try it but if you just went oh i got you ice cream and especially if i'm on a diet or like i'm fasting i'm just like well i don't well i got it for you i'm like well that you're being inconsiderate even though you think you're being considerate and yeah. we had a match. It was bomb. You can watch it on YouTube on Courage Pro Wrestling's page. And it's just like I take so much joy out of that because of the fan reactions of just how fire it is. And it's literally when you brought up falling out of love with wrestling, wrapping back up into that, I, I say that now where it's wrestling never stops. 
Like, mm-hmm. you could stop watching Friends because it ended, or maybe you didn't like it after season seven. But, like, like Dexter's coming back, and season four is... I recommend anyone just watch season four of Dexter and you don't have to watch anything else because it's, like, great for 12 episodes. But everyone, there's no way you're not disappointed by the end of that series. Wrestling never ends for the fact that... So you never leave because it's done. You have to fall out of love with wrestling. That's where, when I post something about what's your favorite wrestling match, I have people on my Facebook that I worked with or went to school with didn't know they're wrestling fans. And they're saying... Oh, I loved Rey Mysterio in 2003. Oh, I loved Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I'm like, what the hell? Like, like former teachers and stuff. I'm like, yo, guys, I wrestle. You can pay for a ticket to come see me live. And also, indie shows are great. <laughs> but, like, seeing that where it's like so many people find wrestling, enjoy it for two months, 20 years, whatever, and then they fall out of love as opposed to you need to find what you love. And that CM Punk John Cena match, the entrance alone, I would watch that. That basically, Joe and Kabashi replaced that. Of, I would watch it like four or five times a year to just get hyped for wrestling. Because yeah. I'm like, this is what it can be. That reaction of just that investment in it. The ability that pro wrestling has, um, what's the word? Not to play with emotions. Like, that's not the right way to put it. But um, Well, you could say manipulate. Yeah, the, j- just the ability it has to manipulate emotion. But more so... Um, Exceed expectations, I guess, yes. is the way for me. Running in in Alberta, you know, you get a lot of individuals who are your stampede wrestling fans. They fell off at the end of 2006 when it shut down for good. Haven't really seen much since then. Or, conversely, you run into the people who have never watched wrestling because it's phony and it's fake and I'll never buy into that. And I love the UFC, rah, rah, rah. The amount of times that I've brought, because every professional wrestling show I go to, it is my personal goal and personal duty. If i got to pay for the ticket, I don't give a shit, but I'm bringing someone new. And so few times have I had someone say, oh, I wouldn't go back again. Every yeah. single time it's, oh, my God, like, how did they I do didn't that? Know it was I like can't it. believe this was fake. Why I didn't know so I'd close? enjoy it that much. Exactly. The, the just ability that it's got to draw people in. I guess is the better way to put it. Not really manipulate emotions. I know that that's the overarching goal of pro wrestling and, well, and the entertainment, entertainment industry. As it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But just with <laughs> pro wrestling, like, like yeah, but just so consistently with pro wrestling, <laughs> it just you blows people out of the water. Yeah. It blows like, when people I'm out of the water. When I'm in the ring and someone boos me or I kind of hear them whisper over to their friend or they go on their phone. And if I just stop what I'm doing in the match, I look at them and then they look up at me and I'm like, yeah, you're on your phone while I'm abusing this person over here. Don't worry. I'll find your car in the parking lot too. And it's that weird. Like they don't anticipate that because, because they're used to seeing it live. You're so conditioned to be like on television where there's a guardrail and don't, or, or even when you look at other live experiences, like I always compare it to people. Okay. Imagine if you were going to an NHL game, Austin Matthews is on a breakaway and you yell, fuck you, Austin. And he stopped what he was doing. He skated over to you. He brained you with his hockey stick. And then he went and scored. Like, getting involved with anything like that and, and the fan participation, the fan interaction, like, for me, that's been the most interesting part of watching professional wrestling in this crowdless era is, for me, watching how professional wrestlers of every level continue to maintain that interaction or continue to at least maintain some semblance of normalcy with it. Like something I've really loved is just watching the amount of in-ring communication go up. 
between people, even just watching on TV and you notice some trash talking more or anything. Like, Roman I guess Reigns the overarching... Uh, Jay Uso right now. It's literally Dude. just like... It's literally just a film. Like, not an action and, film. Like, a drama. And an incredibly well done. Incredibly yeah. well done. Like, and this is perfect for me, you know? Like, with Roman Reigns, it's just so nice that everybody else is starting to catch up and be like, man, he's pretty good at this professional wrestling thing, isn't he? Yes, we've all known. We've all known for years. <laughs> you just saw everyone else tweet, fuck you, Roman. And you're like, yeah. you joined the bandwagon. You didn't think for, your, for yourself. Well, and that just jumps back into the negativity of um, why why people watch just to hate watch. You know, I understand being disappointed with, with decisions. I was as mad as anyone else that Daniel Bryan wasn't in the 2015 Royal Rumble. But you know what I did? Is I tuned into Monday Night Raw the next night. I didn't hate Roman Reigns because of a decision that Daniel Bryan or whoever made on Daniel Bryan made. You know what I mean? Like, you can't fault Roman Reigns for fucking what happened here with Daniel Bryan. Now, do I agree with a lot of the stuff that happened with Roman Reigns? Not particularly, and that's where my issues come from. But hating on something because this didn't happen, that is the most selfish, petulant mentality in professional wrestling that, at least for me, just just needs to go, you know? I've never understood... Fantasy booking oh, ruins wrestling for the fact that you're like, oh, in this ideal scenario, this happens, this happens. You want to know what else also happens? Injuries happen. Sometimes something doesn't get over. And a quick shout out to Matt Cash. He just had a new baby. Uh, congratulations, hey, Matt. Congrats, Matt Cash. That's awesome. Uh, oh, man. But that's what's funny is you said how you try to bring non fans to shows. Literally, when the pandemic was like starting and I was like calculating what I'm going to do after. Uh, it comes up, and I was like, huh, I want to start on all my promos, start doing a giveaway, where literally I would talk to promoters, be like, this is my fee, and also, can I get two tickets to the show, or uh, I'll pay for two tickets. And it will literally be, if you retweet my promo, you'll be entered to win two tickets to the show, with the only caveat of, please bring someone that's never gone to a wrestling show before. Because yeah. I, I have confidence that even if the whole show is shit, they'll see the wolf mask, they'll see the way I wrestle, and go, oh, well, Holden Albright, that's... Because they'll either be like, the fat guy that did a suicide dive, or the the dude with the weird haircut that beat the shit out of someone, or, oh my god, the dude that came out with a wolf mask. There's so many different ways to describe me. But also, yeah. I have so much confidence in the Ontario indie scene, and, like, my friends and stuff, that if they're on shows, like, we... at Three hours ago when we started this, uh... We, uh, I, I, we talked about just like talent doesn't mean anything if you're a shitty person. Like I'm mm -hmm. a big proponent now, effort over talent. Because once again, if something comes easy to you, you're not going to work hard. Whereas if someone's yeah. working hard and you see it, you need to give them that pat on the back to tell them no, you're going in the right direction. And it's mm -hmm. just that genuineness of effort over talent. Those are the people I want to surround myself with. Those are the people I want to hang out with. And literally, it was. My way of, I learned that your rate should be, if someone sees your name on a poster, they'll want to come to see your show. And to be honest, during this pandemic, like, I'll promote Go Hard Pro again. Like, I literally proved that people trust me. And, like, there's fans that invested in it. And it's just, like, I see the other GoFundMes, and none of them have matched the support of this. And it feels weird, but also... My broken brain wants to tell me I'm not worth um, not worth anything. And then at the same time, though, 
it's literally, I now have proof. And sometimes we do need that proof. We have to look back at our first podcast and go, oh my God, we didn't do this. Oh no. But then once you're, you have to be your biggest fan so that you think that you can do it. But you also have to be your biggest critique or critic so that you can improve. If you just oh, yeah. think you're God's gift to the world, you're not going to improve. But if you're like, I'm working hard at this, let me keep going. That's how the momentum goes. And you'll get better if, as long as you never quit, you'll never fail. Absolutely, man. And I'm a firm believer that um, the day you feel you're a finished product or the day you feel that you're perfect or the day you feel that um, perhaps there isn't something to improve on, you're destined to go backwards or you're destined to, at the best case scenario, plateau. You know, for me, I did an interview a couple of days ago and I've already sat down and I've listened to it back and I've thought, where can I change up? You know, anything as small as the wording or where my microphone is, or uh, should I maybe have the bottom bar with their name a little, like whatever it may be, right? All the stupid little details that go into it. But you look at that and you make the comparison to pro wrestling. Like the day you think that you are a complete product in this industry is the day that not only are you going to plateau, but someone there who is as talented as you is continuing to work harder, they're going to pass you. And in an industry where there truly is only room, you know, for three guys on top, whether you're looking at Raw, SmackDown, or All Elite Wrestling, all having world's champions, um, when you're in an industry where at best there's that many positions in the world, you're going to get passed. You are 100% going to get passed. If I'm going to sit here and say, well, shit, I'm the best guy in Edmonton, Alberta, well... (laughs) You got to be kidding me if I think I'm going anywhere with that, because if I plateaued at the best in Edmonton, Alberta, well, it's going to really suck for me when I do eventually go down to the States and there's 10 times the population there, which means there's 10 times the possibility that there's someone like me who's enthusiastic with the schooling in this, with the, you know, uh, uh, general knowledge base, the passion that has all of what I do. That's all there's going to be. And if they're working harder than me, I'm screwed. So they can't work harder than me. They just simply cannot. And when you look at the Alberta independent professional wrestling scene, I really do feel that, that there are a lot of like-minded individuals to me, you know, which is a weird, almost backwards way of looking at it is that there's a lot of wrestlers who have the mentality that the commentator and media guy have. But, you know, I talked earlier about Michael Richard Blaze, the fact that that guy doesn't have a contract with the promotion that he wants it with whoever that may be. In fact, he doesn't have a contract. He's a borderline sin. Heavy Metal, who's been wrestling here for the better part of two decades and is quite possibly, in my opinion, the most underrated talent in Canada. Artemis Spencer, same sort of thing. You look in BC. That guy hasn't gotten a contract with a promotion du jour. Whoever he wants to sign with hasn't offered him a contract. That guy is individually the most talented person I've watched in the professional wrestling ring. And there's hundreds of people out here. There's hundreds of people in Ontario. Even go out to the East Coast and look at guys like Cam Stevens and Jeremiah Javen and those sorts of individuals. Like, there are so many talented guys. The Canadian Goose just hops in with an Indeed. And I got to give him a shout out because, Holden, if you're ever going to, like, try and find somebody who is the hardest working, the most give a shit sort of person in professional wrestling that's the guy 110 percent. if there's anyone i'm gonna go to bat for it's the canadian goose man i'm gonna have to like travel all over this fucking country and do 30 minute (laughs) matches three times a week i'm down for it it's gonna be fucking fun i'll uh... be there for each and every one of them i can man i can promise you that (laughs) like i think with wrestlers it's that whole especially now it's there's so much talent it's almost harder to be bad at wrestling in 2020 than it is to be good at it 
And then yep. it's, you need to real. I recently told someone in the local area and it's me saying it back. It sounds a little rude, but I, I'm like, I think you need to go to like Germany for three months. Like you need a trainer and a training system because sometimes someone's called an asshole because they don't act the same way as everyone else at whatever environment they're in. But if you're not acting the same way because you're taking it seriously and you want to like, you train like you play and you're not fucking around, you're not an asshole. To them, you're an asshole. But to me, I'm like, you're not in the right environment. And I literally told him like, I think you got to yeah. like, go to Japan or go what, and you just need to bet on yourself and you need to take yourself out of your comfort zone. The minute you're comfortable, that's where taking the next leap and putting yourself out there is real scary. And like, that's the thing of, Maybe it is you try to get connections in Ontario or you try to go wherever where it's like the thing with me, it's um, literally my booking fee for when I start traveling will be, well, my flight's going to cost, say, 500 to go and come back. Uh, I don't care what my booking fee is between those, but I just want to cover that cost. Like I'm basically wrestling for free, but it's to build that reputation. And it's I get to meet people in Alberta or the Maritimes. And when they're here, I get to now recommend them to promote promotions or they can message me, especially like I'm getting my uh, I'm getting a new place in February. And I'm literally going to have a spare room for just my wrestling buddies that if they're in Ontario, I'm like, yo, I got a place for you. And I could definitely yeah. line up shows for you to come to. But, like, that's the thing. I've, I want to build that reputation. I don't want to just be a good wrestler. I want to be a fucking good person. Oh, man. And, like, the standard for me, at least on the independent level or, or major league level, whatever you want to put this promotion in, is you look at a guy like Ethan Page. And Ethan Page yeah. is a damn good professional wrestler. And I think that if that guy wanted to go far just professionally wrestling... He could. He'd be able to sign at some point with any promotion that he would want to. But he's doing that. He is producing his own vlogs. He's hosting how many different shows between high spots and IWTV and all of that sort of stuff. He's his producing own his own stuff. Yeah, he's producing his own merchandise. He's handling all of his own online sales. And that is the kind of drive that someone and, and everything he's doing has parlayed him into being one half of the longest reigning champions in impact history ever. You look at some of the names we've run through there. It ain't John Q. Indie Wrestler. It's AJ Styles. It's Christopher Daniels. It's Samoa Joe. It's all of those individuals. And he's held titles longer than any of them. You look at the work. You look at someone working that hard and the results that it gets them and how any professional wrestler can sit and look at that and say, I'm going to do differently. Well, you can do differently, but you're, in my humble opinion, going to do worse. You're going to do worse than those measurable results with the res- with, with the efforts put in yeah like i uh canadian goose asks, how long have you been wrestling i started training february 2014 and i started wrestling on shows november 2015 and uh yeah so next month will be five years since my first match or this month actually uh because we're in november now uh so it might be on like four days Fuck. But uh, I, I want to wrap this up. I feel like we've had a great chat. And I can't wait to like, I also am slowly like building a bunch of friends that I can message and just, I want to have like an hour chat monthly of like privately, not like a podcast or anything, but like, what have you, what have been your struggles this month? What have been your successes? Oh, what can I learn from you? What can you learn from me? Oh, we can fucking like clap each other up. Be like, hell yeah. Cause you see my Twitter account. It's mostly me retweeting all my friends shit because I'm excited for them. Yeah, and man. And that's the way people. that, well, and that's the way that like life 
and pro wrestling in the microcosm of it should be. If people are lifting people up, they themselves will be lifted up. You know what I mean? A rising tide raises all boats. You ain't going to sink a boat just by the tide rising. If it rises real quick, then you got to be a little bit better prepared. But a rising tide will raise all boats. If the Canadian Indies, you know, it's the way I looked at the network. Canadian Indies are doing well. Well, I'm the guy covering the Canadian Indies, and people will come to my site to read it. Everybody's lifted up. You know what I mean? If A1 Wrestling's doing well, if the PWA is doing well, Crossbody's doing well, more people are going to come to their shows. They're going to see the wrestlers doing well. More people see those wrestlers doing well. Their names are going to get out there. They're going to go to different promotions where more fans will come. I don't know, man. It's the best way I can put it is like uh, it's Happy Gilmore. It's like a carousel happy. It's up and down and around. <laughs> uh, please plug your uh, your social medias. I would be delighted to, my friend. I'm very active on Twitter. That is sort of the main source on my end. If you want to give me a follow there, it is at Spenny Love. On this here Instagram machine, it is at Spenny and the Jets with two S's at the end because I'm the second most clever person out there. Somebody already thought of her. Um, and then on Instagram in the near future, you guys will start to see a few things coming from Love Wrestling CA. That is the new brand. We are going to be launching January 1st, 2020. The end of this sentence is all you're going to hear about it because I am being very selective in plugging where I talk about it. We preach positivity. I was positive that I wanted to kick it off on a great note. And Holden, I'm glad I got to do so with you, my friend. It's always a blast getting to shoot. Thank you. And for anyone watching this, because we're running out of time, I... I wanted to do something fun, aka I found a uh, wrestling action figure that I don't need. So I, uh, I'm i going to give away this cool Masters of the Universe Rey Mysterio and JR's Under the Black Hat book. Download the podcast and you can find out how to uh, win that. That is, This is Brendan. Have a great, have a good morning. Have a good afternoon. Have a good evening. Have a good night. Just have fun. Be safe. Stay sane. That's the number one thing. Don't be going and protesting for, like, (laughs) dumb shit. Just stay home. Try not to lose your mind. And if you want to go off on Facebook or Twitter, get a notebook and just jot it down. And I'll leave you on this note, actually, because you said that work harder. This will be the final thing. I was told from one of my old trainers once. He's like, because we we were watching the Royal Rumble, and it's at the training school. We were a little not sober, and, like, we start fucking around in the ring because we're basically children. And then I'm told by this trainer, you're the laziest person I've ever met. And I'm like, okay, because I don't let people affect me like that because I already think the worst of me. And he goes, is your goal, uh, what do you want to do with wrestling? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going by a suit in my pants. Like, oh, well, aren't you, don't you think you're stealing the spot from someone that their goal is to go to the WWE? And I went, well, if they're, uh, what's it called? If their goal is to go to the WWE, shouldn't they work harder than me? And then he paused, and I was like, I got one. Yes. It's like that dad moment, just upping your parents. But, yes, literally work hard, do good, be productive. I totally forgot what we said at the beginning, and when I edit this, I'm going to have to scream. But it's literally just be a good person. Thank you so much, Spencer. Anytime, buddy. Good to talk to you. Oh, man, it was awesome. Go back back to work. (laughs) Bye. Yeah, that hate the grind and sweat the blood of time, my motivation I work too hard, too long, and I be in the conversation My team been up, way up, ain't nothing less than domination I got the game and say we're locking key in combination Keep it low, that high sight, don't focus on what's high side Sleeping on me till the night, night, it's my time in a bright light Don't have a band, no mind, I keep it pushing, don't ever give them a sound They will let me push a shot at what they want to talk about you when you down Motivation, all that hating that they doing, that 
Motivation, motivation Staying winning, nothing less Ain't no consolation Used to tell me that I couldn't That's my motivation Yeah, my motivation Motivation All this money on my mind That's my motivation You be talking, but you not up in the conversation They all wanting me to stop That's my motivation Yeah, my motivation I can't do what I got one for the boy. Hey, now I'm finna ball out, step back, shoot for the score. Hey, if I had a penny for everyone, that'd be I'll make a million a month off a salary. Picture me rolling, go look at the gallery. I've been eating now, look at the calories. No, I've been out up on the road, trying to make it to my goals. Had a lot of friends in the past when I quit on me, had a phone. I remember being told, son, don't ever say your soul. For the girls, for the cars, for the fame, for the riches, for the gold. Yeah, I've been chasing material things, I've been chasing my dreams. Stay close to the team, I don't ever need no reason to leave. Heard the birds in the trees Telling me shit is a breeze As you can see, I do it with ease Wanna make it them believe Bad time that I came through And I got one for the boy Now I'm finna ball out Step back, shoot for the score One time for the one time I'll rebound, I rebound In the meantime, I stack up This win my reward Motivation All the hating that they doing That shit motivation Staying winning, nothing less Ain't no consolation Used to tell me that I couldn't That's my motivation Yeah, my motivation all this money on my mind, that's my motivation You be talking, but you not up in the conversation They all wanting me to stop, that's my motivation